I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 321. Two. Uh, 322. Yeah. Ah, we had episode 321 and I didn't say contact. Oh, that's true. That oh. sucks. No, I did it, notice that when uh, when Idle Thumbs got to episode 316 of their podcast, Jake made the same John 316 joke, more or less, <laughs> that I did. Let's see if that's they carry good. it forward the same way you did. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. Because uh, I'll tell you one thing, it was not funny when I did it. <laughs> it was kind of funny. We were gone for a week uh, because Kevin and I were on the Jonathan Colton cruise, mm. uh, which was which was pretty fun. What did you guys do while we were gone? Did you just sit around pining after us and missing us? Yeah, mostly making video games. Nice. We mm. went to uh, we went to a beach where we fed a seagull uh, orange bell pepper. You and Riff did. Yeah, me and Riff and April. <laughs> we went all to- all together. Um, it's, it's only February. I was the seagull. Um and. <laughs> So we threw it at Riff, and then Riff picked it up and tried to eat it, and then spat it out again. Yeah, I don't like bell. And then looked down and saw that there was food on the ground, and picked it up again, and then tried to eat it, and then spat it out again. Did did it like six or seven more times. I'm not very smart. (laughs) Uh, Is this not how you eat peppers? I I would do that, but not with sand. Not dropping them on sand. Wait, what would you? What would you drop it on that would be acceptable for a, you to a, a cutting board? So that I just cut the peppers on. So the way that you eat peppers is to <laughs> is to pick it up with your face. Well, yeah, but this is this is only because Spit Kevin it told out me as, it was the best way to eat peppers. I see. As soon as you taste it, and then just keep to it. Do you ever chew it? Well, it's it's you're biting it over and over again. It's kind of like chewing it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I guess chewing is kind of like biting over and over again. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got a point sure. there. Yeah. You know, that famous candy bar, Charleston, biting it over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Han Solo's partner biting over and over again, Baca. <laughs> uh, so what happened with the seagull, Jim? Oh, it eventually gave up. And I thought it, I thought it just eventually died from starvation because it couldn't actually ever consume We distracted it with bread. Man, remember that book from the 70s about a seagull that had all this wisdom? That must have been like Jonathan total horseshit, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the book I read. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't very good. Nope. I read a few books by that guy, and none of them were very good. What were some of the other books? Did he write Ishmael? Was that a, by Jonathan? No, that was uh, oh, that was somebody was else. Herman Melville. <laughs> no, uh, it was about a gorilla. That's, and that was Ishmael. Yeah. You but read that. I Maybe don't that think wasn't that was him. By so there was another one that he Jonathan's, read that there's, a, there's a scene in the beginning of it where he is in a bar and he meets a copy of himself from a different universe where he decided to start smoking cigarettes and how fucked up that guy's life was. Uh, because of and the choice of ruminating cigarettes. on choice. Well, a, a variety of things. Like if my circumstances had been worse, I would be some like white trash dude who drinks and smokes. That was basically the premise. Instead of being <laughs> he'd be a, a guy who, cooler. yeah, it was like as I as I looked back at the books that I had written and saw this cool guy in front of me, I thought, "Who's the idiot here?" <laughs> I want to say Daniel Quinn wrote. Okay, Ishmael. all right, there you go. But who wrote Jonathan Livingston Siegel? Uh, Bach, Richard, Richard, Richard Bach. Bach. Okay, yeah, which is different than Richard Piercig, yeah, which is, is different, different from Robert Bachman. Bachman? Robert yeah. Piercig, Robert Piercig, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Man. So okay. He died a couple of years ago. Oh, did he? Uh, okay, 
I believe there was a Jonathan Livingston Stegall movie. Hmm. It was called K Pax. <laughs> I haven't seen that. I kind of liked K Pax. Hmm? I mean, it was. Wait, uh, wait, is that the one where Kevin Sp- Spacey plays the seagull? Yes. Yes. Okay. He spends a lot of time trying to eat a pepper. And there's okay. the one where uh, there's the remake of that uh, from the 80s where Tom Hanks meets a woman who's half seagull and uh, brings her out to land. I like how the remake real, is, happens before yeah, the original. Yeah, it's a real seagull out of water story. It's a remake. <laughs> yep. Anyway. So what happened with the seagull, Jim? Uh, we eventually distracted it with some bread. Oh, well, he must have liked that. Yeah, he seemed to be seemed to be happy with it. Right, so how do you know it was a he? I don't know. You just assume that it's a he because it's it's stupid. <laughs> it's uh, it's just my default mode of uh, assuming. Okay. Mansuming. Mm-hmm. Anything anything it. that tries to eat stuff is a dude. <laughs> all all birds are male. Okay. Hmm. Like, huh. I don't think I've ever got a bird in the mail. <laughs> All mail is birds. Oh, this sucks. Wow. I should oh, not have signed up for this list. Universe. Oh. And in the Hitchcock universe. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> do they do they deliver mail? Well, it's just it, a lot of birds. Oh, is it just everything is everything's <laughs> birds, birds in, in the Hitchcock universe? <laughs> yeah. For a second, I was going to reply to that question, but I was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's still got the, like, the gray feathers indicating a youth, a youthful seagull. Um, but then I realized that has nothing to do with the gender. Wait, so do you think of everything young as being male? Oh, Ma- yeah. You maybe. just start out as male and then you become female later in life. Yeah, right. Yeah. That, that actually that would make a lot of sense. As an embryo. Honestly. Does it, though? Sure. I don't know no, if it does. Uh, I'm not saying it would make a lot of sense biologically. I'm just saying that it would make a lot of sense as for an organism. Thematically. <laughs> Thematically, yeah. Okay. Narratively. Let's Riff, what have you been up to for you two go. weeks? Do you, do you have any horrible seagull stories? Uh, uh, unfortunately not. Um, what did I do? Do you have seagulls in Portland? Uh, yeah, every now and then I see one, yeah. We're, we're near enough the coast that that, kind of, that happens sometimes. Mostly you, it's crows. You though. seagulls? Yeah, sometimes I see gulls. Okay. Seagull. Whew, sorry, Riff, you were saying? I, I don't remember. <laughs> I mostly just worked on KOL stuff uh, this past week. Oh, that's right, because you like created like a thousand yeah, things. Yeah, I, I, it was my turn to create a million hours of work for myself. <laughs> so I took advantage of that opportunity. Good, good I don't, work. I don't remember what I did the week previous to that. Uh, oh, oh, uh, that was okay. Yeah, actually, that was the week that I spent uh, doing not exactly carpentry. I guess I did a little bit of sort of wood woodworking. Um, I bought uh, one of balsa the, woodworking. Uh, well, MDF working. Uh, I bought one of those. What um, does MDF mean? MD, I don't know what the acronym stands for, but it's like that. Isn't that one of your favorite, like, bands? Oh, <laughs> I like one particular music video of theirs. Uh, okay. Are you talking about KMFDM or a different band called MDF? No, uh, okay. uh, I think we were making the joke about uh, mindless self-indulgence. Uh, oh. But KMFDM would also have been a good... A good pull for that joke. Oh, wait, that's MFD, not MDF. Yeah. Shit. 
You're thinking of the series MDK starring the talking dog. Oh yeah, is that oh, the one where you yeah, switch between one of those. three different characters? Yeah, one, yeah. one of them is a talking dog. Oh, one of them can glide. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I thought that was Sam and Max. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I bought an elaborate box organizer for uh, uh, for the Kingdom Death for board game boxes. Yeah, that's you know, it's one of those like laser cut wood things, and because and I don't the, care. But <laughs> okay, never mind then. No, I had laser cut wood, and I don't care. It was a Jimmy oh, Crack I see. corn. That's pretty good. Okay, I, I, riff, oh come on, okay. riff. I wasn't just I wasn't just saying I don't care to your story. Come on. <laughs> You think so I went out like, to sea and came back this a monster? Is like a third party <laughs> Amazon order for a laser cut board game insert? Well, it was not Amazon, but it was third party. It was a place called uh, Top Down Terrain. They did this elaborate uh, uh, series of card trays and token trays and so on that you assemble to, to replace the shitty plastic organizer in the game box. And because the I, because the general aesthetic of Kingdom Death is like black, like the the box that it comes in is entirely black, and it has like the name and logo on it, but it's gloss black on matte black. So I didn't feel like it would be appropriate to put this like shitty looking wood colored beige thing in that box. So matte I matte black. Yeah, so yeah, Matt Black. So so while watching Matlock, I uh, I stained it black. with your friend Matt Black. Yeah, exactly. Frank Black's son Frank Matt. Frank Black's son Matt. Uh, I stained it black <clears throat> and then coated it in polyurethane, and it took. A, a well, real you saw long a red time. box, and you wanted. To... Yeah, I saw a red box, and I wanted to paint <laughs> yeah. it black. I, I rented. I saw a red box, and I wanted to rent Black Knight. That's right. I wanted to rent uh, Twisted Metal Black, which has a theme song by the Rolling Stones, which I cannot remember which one it was though. And uh, and it turned out uh, it turned out pretty good because even though it, it turns out uh, MDF uh, is not very good for using wood stain on, which I would have realized if I thought about it for three minutes, because. MDF is mainly made out of glue, <laughs> but, uh, it, it worked okay. And like the bits where the, where the laser cutter had sort of scorched it, um, didn't accept the stain at all. So they show up as sort of like these weird kind of rusty looking spots. So it just, the whole thing has this super like antique sort of rusted metal kind of vibe to it that works really nice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, uh, this whole yeah. conversation, I've been trying to figure out what MDF stands for. I have no idea. What and it's when saying. you said mainly made out of glue, I got really excited because the phrase started with M. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest of it didn't fit. Mainly, mainly didn't, didn't fit. fit. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Damn, nice. Um, have you played Kingdom Death? Oh, A yeah. Bunch. I played uh, oh. a fair amount. I talked about it. it on many podcasts. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Where was I? You were here, you, you just were weren't here. paying any attention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you were probably out getting a beer. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> yeah, I've played We played some board games on the boat. Uh, I was just going to say, I've played, I think, I can't I can't see my documentation from here, but I think I've played. Are you going like, blind? Well, it's on the other side of the room. Uh, I think I've played maybe like 14 or 18 sessions of it, and they range from an hour to two hours. Hmm. Is it like role-playing gamey? It's, I mean, not 
really? It's it's like um. <sighs> is there a campaign? Yes, it, it it's okay. it's a campaign, sort of in the way that like, uh, like a like Blood Bowl has a campaign because you have like a roster of guys with permanent stats that upgrade as you go. Uh, and, and, and there are special events that happen that alter your guys and you acquire crafting materials that you use to make new gear for your guys, which is persistent from game to game and stuff like that. Why do they have to be guys, Riff? Uh, actually, most of them are, in fact, ladies. They're young. Mo- ma- the, uh, the, the recommended proportion is, uh, is. 36, th- 24, 36. Th- three ladies to, to one guy in your settlement because the ladies. all sounds great. B- because the ladies are slightly more likely to die in childbirth than the men. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so that so has- I spent a week on a boat full of SJWs. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mutinying uh we played a game called sagrada oh, so which good. is super cool kevin liked it a lot how is that uh, spelled i liked it a lot too S-A-G-R-A-D-A. s-a-g-r-a-d-a sagrada it is uh so it's a dice drafting game where the dice are nice uh colored translucent dice and you're making a stained glass window by placing them in patterns that are determined by these sort of random cards that you slide into this really nice looking stained glass window frame that are they give you rules for where you can place dice and then there's some like euro game style scoring stuff and it's just like it's quick and it's nice and then the bits are really good and satisfying and it's colorful yeah we played i think we played two or three rounds of it in an hour and it was very easy. Including to, learning. To including play. learning. Yeah. yeah. That does sound cool. And like the, it, it, there's a bunch of variation built into it. So you no two games are exactly alike. Uh, yeah. Just, it was just very satisfying. It's strategic and clever and like a little sort of solo puzzle game with a little bit of multiplayer stuff going on. Yeah. Only a little. It's mostly like trying to figure out like what's something like you can definitely be paying attention to what your opponents have and are doing. Yeah. And like you can take something from them. somebody if it's like they, they only need they, they need this one specific yeah. die of one specific color and one specific value. And that's the only thing that they can put in this one spot. And if you can get it before them, you'll take it even if it's like less advantageous to you. Yep. If you're a jerk. Yep. <clears throat> what else did we play? I played a game called Favor of the Pharaoh, which is like a sort of Yahtzee with power-ups, which was real good. Um, I played, they made a two-player version of Caverna that's the equivalent. This game is to Caverna what uh, All Creatures Great and Small is to Agricola. Um, hmm. It's called Cave, I keep thinking it's called Cave 2 Cave with a 2 in it, but it's actually called Cave versus Cave, and Cave 2 Cave is the sequel. Um but it's just a dramatically simplified version of Caverna. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, we played that game Indian Summer. Oh, yeah. Which was strange, but kind of neat. Uh, it's about you have covering a, the you forest have like a, floor with leaves. Yeah, you have a grid. And animals. And there's pe- they're like Tetris pieces that have leaves printed on them. Uh, yeah. And you are trying to cover up. It's kind of like that. You know, when you play too much Tetris and you're going to sleep and your brain is just stuck in a never-ending nightmare loop of trying to make rectangles out of Tetris pieces? Well, yeah. It's like you kind of get to do that 
It's but the pieces are not just four baggers, they're three, four, and five baggers. And some of the pieces have holes in them, and where the holes are is very important in terms of placing them on your board. And you collect nuts and berries <laughs> and mushrooms and feathers that you can use to do special moves. Yeah, we the first we only played one game of it, so I feel like we didn't really understand it fully. But uh, was, this a, was this a Reiner Knizia jam? No. Was it an Uwe Rosenberg jam? I believe it was an Uwe. Okay. Because Cave versus Cave is an Uwe Rosenberg jam. Yeah, like. I liked it. I feel like I didn't really get to appreciate it very much. It was apparently a follow-up to another game. Cottage Garden. Cottage Garden, which was apparently a follow-up to another game. The um the crews but had an extensive board game library. Like Eight hundred and board very, games. very knowledgeable uh people. Yeah. I'm gonna look up Indian summer board game while you talk about something else you played. Uh well, uh, in addition to these board games, uh we also played some it is, in fact, Uwe Rosen. Oh, yeah. See? Uh, we played some Room Escapes. We we brought two Room Escapes in a box with us. Um, <clears throat> two Room Escapes and a Boom Escape. Exactly. <laughs> uh, There's a guy swinging a microphone around. It sucked. <laughs> and we, we did one of them, the Escape from the Laboratory. The Secret Lab. Yeah. And we did that one first, and we just crushed it. It was like 45 minutes, and we were done. No No hints needed. Trivial. Was that? And then with with which one, was that? What uh, what series was that? Exit, I think. Okay. Exit the game. Uh, that's I played that starts with the cabin. One, that one recently. Yeah. I wasn't. That was probably my least favorite of the exits so far. I think. Hmm. It, it was fine. It was. It was it, all right. I felt a lot. There was some stuff in it that I felt was poorly clued. Okay, it's. I think it's got to be a different beast with multiple people. I think Zach and I and Felix Kramer were yeah, did that one. Yeah, we did that one, and then we added uh, Andrea from Puzzle Pint for the Pharaoh's Tomb. Yeah, and that one was much harder, even with an extra person. There were so many Puzzle Pint people on this boat. It yeah. was great. There were a lot of Puzzle Pint folks. I wasn't uh, there, but a lot of people I knew were on that boat. <clears throat> yeah. It. I mean, it's a... It's a nerd nexus. It's, it, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's like kind of like a week-long floating packs. Yeah. Not every... video game focused really in any meaningful way. Yeah. Yeah. There, there were very little – there was very little video game content. There was like a multi-bowl tournament that pe- only celebrities were allowed to play in. <laughs> that honestly was great though. Like the idea of watching a bunch of people go up and play is less exciting to me than a, like the same four people – Sitting on a couch. And people playing. who are, like, funny for a living. Yeah, yep. exactly. Because that's that's going to be... They're going to, like... Watching them progress through their sort of skill levels and, like, repeat games and stuff is going to be, I think, more exciting. Um, yeah, I think if they wanted it, we would go back and give them some video game content. But I don't know that they want it. Yeah. I can understand why they wouldn't. Sure. Use up too much power on the it's, boat. Yeah, it uses power, and it's also, like... I mean, I was kidding about that. You Well, I mean, I'm not really, right? Like, it's there's a finite amount of juice. Uh, they gave... At the end of this thing, they gave this sort of commemorative placard or whatever, like a sheet of paper that sort of has some fun factoids. And I think they thought all of these were in good fun. But one of the factoids was... The, the number of tons of fuel consumed, 
it was like 700 tons of fuel consumed in this one week for this trip, which is disgusting, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I don't actually have a frame of reference of is how does that compare to like that? How does this fuel compare to like gasoline in terms of density, for example? Like I have some some idea of how much gasoline I use. It's probably liquid fuel, so it's probably around you know it's probably the same as a it's probably roughly the same as water, right? Mm-hmm. So it's eight pounds a so gallon for, for eighteen hundred people to be driving constantly for one week. Yeah, you think it's uh, more fuel than that, less fuel than that? If they uh, each have their own, if they each have their own bus. <laughs> yeah, it depends on how many people are in. In the same right. car. If if I think if eighteen hundred people were driving separately, I think they would definitely. Yeah, I mean, cost it's it's more. it's wasteful of time and resources and just everything. kind of everything. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's 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 luxury leisure. That's what it's about. You okay, know, like if there was a way to idea. waste diamonds, they here's would. Here's a different <laughs> idea. How about we build a hotel that is also a Faraday cage, so there's no signals in or out. So you can just disappear into, the, I mean, so there is a hotel like that. It's called The Woods. <laughs> Does it have a buffet? Yeah, I don't think it has a buffet. Well, in yeah, some ways. Squirrels. It, like, yeah, there are squirrels. There do, are, do minorities die for me to make it happen? Be, oh, yeah. So how many, if, if you had to guess. Well, it depends on say? how far back you go. I mean, I guess for it to be United States public land mm-hmm. that uh, okay. nominally belongs to you in any way as a white taxpayer. Right. Yes. At some point. Yes. Okay. What would, you, what would you guess is the ratio of crew to guests on a boat like this? Does to- Jonathan Colton pilot the ship himself? He does not. Okay. So he counts as guest and not crew. He do, he does count as as guest. Yeah. Like how many guests were there? Uh, there were fourteen, sixteen hundred paid uh, paid attendees, and then like probably two hundred guests of the like organization. More like fifty. My intuition oh, really? would be something like ten to one. Uh, guests to crew. Okay. How about closer to? Two to one. Really? <laughs> yes. There Jesus. were about almost eight hundred. There were almost eight hundred. Full-time crew, staff, crew and staff. Hmm. That's amazing. It is a lot. Like there were 18 employees in the casino all the time, even during the most of the time when no one was gambling. So like, yeah, yeah, that's not really surprising. There's a, you know, there's a bunch of people cooking food. There's a bunch of cleaning, people cleaning rooms, cleaning the ship. It swabbing the decks, swabbing the decks. Just throwing food into the ocean for oh, no reason. Wasting the mizzen masts. <laughs> yeah, there were. Someone's tallying up all the fuel we're using. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's like a guy with real thick glasses sitting on a raft that's floating in the gas tank, and they open the hatch <laughs> to ask him how much gas is left and, in there. And he's wearing the one of those like visors so with the green filter on it. it. Yeah. Yep. Because he's also welding. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking for the 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 um. The accountant visors. Oh, right. Okay. What What do you call those? The visors that don't actually cover your face. Yeah, they just kind of go between your your eyes and the light. Golf visors. What are um? What is that for? I think it's uh, to prevent eye strain. The same way that like Gunnar glasses with the 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 they they manufacture glasses that don't actually refract the light. They just have they're just yellow. Huh. And people wear them to prevent eye strain. Is Gunnar a brand Gunnar name? Gunnar is a brand name, okay. yeah. All right. Is it related to Gundam? So why is it only so. accountants 
Like why, uh, why is that not a thing that we associate with like college professors or I mean, poets or, yeah, it's a good, you know what I mean? Like, like just those general, people like also will be operating late at night, desk with jockey intellectuals. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess the impression that I got is that you're always in some back room somewhere with an overhead light, like a, a bare light bulb hanging from a wire in yeah. the center of the room. Whereas like college like professors have those <laughs> lamps that have the green shade on them. Oh, right. You're right. Everybody does have something green between them and the bare light bulb. Damn, Riff, you solved it. And the light Ooh. bulb has to sleep for the winter after it gorges itself. I don't get it. It's, I, it's a bear. Oh. It's a bear light bulb. Oh. <laughs> I can't believe I got that and you didn't. All right. What, what is... Because you claim to be pun blind. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'm, we all know it's not true. Yeah, I've just been spending too much time around you guys is the problem. Mm, yeah. Okay. And now you see. Duh. So it's nice nice being on the boat. Yeah. Good good folks. There were a bunch of other puzzles. Okay, food. Yeah, we did a bunch of puzzles. Yeah. So besides the room escape stuff, there was also like a puzzle hunt kind of thing where a couple of puzzles posted every day and there were also just ambient puzzles posted around. Ambient puzzles. Like yeah, the, just posted... they, they trained the birds to Yep, to, tw- to, tweet, to tweet in tweet a particular in way. Ways. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, there was a Twitter they, the, 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 somebody in the Joko organization has convinced Holland America Cruise Lines to let them Run a install a server in their intranet so that like you can connect to the ship's Wi-Fi and use this Twitter clone uh, without being connected to the internet. And Does it, it was, also have like a Wikipedia clone. <laughs> nope. Right. Okay. It's just Twitter. Just, uh, so, and it's it, real, it was really, really handy for being able to like send DMs back and forth and like C-mail. coordinate meeting people because you don't realize until your s- cell phone stops working how, you how just, nice it is that fucking texting is a thing yeah, when yeah. you're trying to figure out how to have dinner with someone that you care about. Um, it's, it is kind of ridiculous to think about. Like if you are in a giant hotel with another person and there's activities all the time how do you meet up with that person yeah right because like you could theoretically go to the room but they're probably not there they're probably out doing something right you have no idea where they are and you don't want to check every activity right you can get you can page them but you can't because there's no they don't allow paging oh so so how do you communicate with somebody so you have to use some sort of like uh, somebody suggested that i bring post-it notes (laughs) <laughs> which I, I didn't actually ever use, but it's a good idea. You can leave somebody a note. You know, they uh, they confiscated my pocket knife as I was getting onto the boat. And they said, so we're going to throw this away. And I said, I wish you wouldn't. And they said, why are you bringing it on the boat? And I said, because I carry it everywhere. And like that sign there that says what you're allowed to bring on the boat doesn't prohibit it. So I thought I would be okay. What's your purpose? What's your purpose in bringing it on the boat? And I said... I maybe I'll open a beer with the bottle opener on it later. Uh, and he said, "All right, I'll write down your cabin. I'll bring it to you after the boat takes off." They just like need, so you don't have it during the launch, I guess. Yeah, and so they they, they brought so it you and don't they like stab the person who's going to hit the boat with a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, because they it doesn't the christening doesn't count if you open the bottle first. <laughs> and they were afraid that I was going to open it. Uh, and so they just brought it and put it in the little cage where they leave your documentation outside your room, except it, they just put it in a big chunk of chewed gum. 
that was in the bottom of my. I, I don't know if that was like somebody sending deli- me a somebody message. Somebody said deliver deliver some gum to you. Yeah. earlier. Yeah. Well, I did order some chewed gum from room service. It's free, you know. Why not? <laughs> I drank a lot of alcohol on this cruise. Did you? Yeah. There were there were multiple days where I had ten plus beverages. Started early though. Sure. Well, yeah, part of the problem was uh, we could order uh, as many mimosas as we wanted to our room as part of the like morning breakfast service. So we just kept adding more <laughs> mimosas to the order <laughs> to see if there would there would come a breaking point. I mean, I can understand you doing that, but what I don't understand is you then committing to drinking, to drinking all of them. Yeah, yeah I, like yeah, I don't know. I mean, what you're supposed to do in the spirit of the cruise is just hurl them into the sea, <laughs> glass and all. Okay. They really, they really <clears throat> did not want you throwing things into the ocean, which good, good on them. They should have nets installed to catch everything that might be falling into oh, the yeah. ocean. That's true, but like, then they would like also passengers. catch catch the like lifeboats and stuff. Oh yeah. Well. Small price to pay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's an unlikely thing to happen. Whereas someone throwing we used the lifeboats. Did you? Yeah, yeah. The, did, this did one, it, unlike the, the sink, no. unlike the Caribbean cruise that I went on before, which was on a like basically an identical boat, uh, the the Westerdam instead of the Oosterdam. Uh, the this one stopped at ports. That didn't they stopped at ports docks. of call that did not have deep enough docks for the cruise ship to actually dock, oh. and so at two thirds of the stops, you had to take little boats. Wow! In one case, the city ran a boat service for cruise ships, and in the other one, we just used the lifeboats, which was cool. It was cool to get to see the insides of the lifeboats. Yeah, yeah. They're they're not that interesting. No, but I mean it. You know. Yeah. No, but different. Sure. I agreed. I like. I wanted to see them. We found out a little too late that it, it would have been possible to organize a tour of the like machine room and all the back the behind the scenes stuff. I'm so sad that we didn't find that out. Like they make it really expensive, hmm. which is obnoxious. Uh, but they I give think you lunch if we ever, yeah, but they which give you is lunch overpriced. Exactly. Which, but so I feel like if we, if we, if we do ever end up going back, we will, figure out exactly how to make that happen. We absolutely could have found 10 people who would pay 150 bucks each to see how the boat works. Sure. Um, but we could have told them that it cost $200 each and then we could have made a <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the you as an information broker. You can't look on the internet. You're yep. entirely isolated. They're at your mercy, Kevin. Yeah, arbitrage. This is, this is where arbitrage <laughs> comes in handy. I wonder if the Twitter clone was like uh, someone who worked at Twitter, like downloaded the early Twitter source code from back mm-hmm. when it was made on Ruby on Rails and you didn't need to scale. I bet it would be faster to just make a new... Like, yeah. I'm guessing... Yeah, if it doesn't need I to don't scale, wanna, it's actually I don't really want to toot my own horn app. here, but yeah, if it didn't have to scale, I could probably reconstruct all of the basic functionality of Twitter in four or five hours. Okay. Like, yeah. sending... Could you post photographs no that is true but i don't think you could in early twitter either you could just post links and then yeah, the that's clients, true. that was a the client they were like whatever satellite services that that just oh, yeah, went like, out of business because twitter incorporated their functionality like yeah, twitpick twitpick and, and twitly and bitly and bitly that's yeah not twitly <laughs> anyway uh so yeah twitter twitter uh which god damn it why do they call the it that? c-mail i know because fucking C-mail. Yeah. 
SEA mail. Yep. Uh, that's how you can send email to, uh, to, um, John C. Riley. Fucking God damn it. The guy who played Spock. Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy. You can send mail to Leonard Nimoy. Who was the voice of C Man? Oh, See, that was worth wow. it. Oh, God <laughs> damn it. I maybe I also just drank myself stupid yep. years before any of you ever met me, and then <laughs> now I'm realizing just like this all the time. Uh so it it was like fine for a while, and then people started getting into political arguments and making fun of little kids, and then it abruptly went down. <laughs> And yeah. I think maybe somebody just pulled the plug because they were like, God damn or it. tripped over the plug. Yeah. <laughs> they, they saw the political arguments and got so mad they were distracted. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which sucked it, because then it was impossible to like send people messages saying like, hey, yeah. do you want to go out to where the cigars are and have a cigar? Or, hey, do you want to go do a room escape where the room escapes are? Or, hey, do you want to go to where the board games are and play a board game? Which were the kinds of things that we were saying to each other. Yeah, I've had this experience. Like back when the the Gamergate Fuhrer was at its peak, I remember the the enormous psychological distinction between like trying to exist on Twitter, which like a couple of years prior had been like, here's a bunch of people posting like cat photos. Um, And... And going to like a PAX where there's a bunch of people in real life hanging out and talking and at the, the, the real life socialization was so much just nicer to exist around and, and be part of than the, the, the fire hose, the misery fire hose that continues to this day on social media. Are you looking forward to GDC? Yeah, I am. Yeah, that's a, that is a social extravaganza. GDC is great. It's always pretty nice too. Yeah, you, know, you don't get a lot of drama. Yeah, usually I don't get a lot of drama. So far, it's like knock on some wood. And and so it's interesting to see just how fast that can happen. Even and maybe it's because like this is people this people just act like this on social media now because they have come to expect that's what it is. But how fast that can happen, even on a, a completely, uh, like a, in a closed room. Yeah, I don't know that I ever bought any of the explanations for why that happens on every internet platform. But, I mean, yeah. But I mean, it does. So it's something has to explain it. <laughs> right. Right. Cause I, it's not just anonymity because it happens on Facebook, which doesn't have anonymity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. <sighs> It's that it's free. If you had to pay <laughs> one cent to post a tweet, no one would ever post a shitty tweet. No one would ever post a tweet, period. Eh, I would post a tweet. Yeah. Sometimes I have jokes that I think are worth one cent for me to share with the world. <laughs> Man, Riff, you like I would have paid I would have paid up to five cents to assist you with posting Tinker Taylor Soldier <laughs> Shrek. <laughs> It should be that a tweet tweet costs a dime, but every like you get gives you back a penny. Not, yes. Oh. Yes. That Up to your dime. so easily gamed, it's not even funny. Well, yeah. There would just have to just be make some... it a zero-sum game. No, a like costs a penny. Okay. I mean, 
I like when Facebook. That was a penny. When Facebook had the thing that, yeah. Every time you say like, you have to put a <laughs> penny pennies. in the like jar. Three yeah. uh, when Facebook briefly floated the idea of charging people for se- like, you can send messages to anybody. Thanks, Kevin. You can send messages to anybody, whether you're following them or friends with them or not, but it costs, you know, 20 cents. People just revolted at that. But like, Pen. you can send a message to anyone for the cost of a stamp. You know, and you put it in an envelope, and then they open it and they read your letter, and that's just been true for hundreds yeah, but of it years. Make and your it, pocket buzz, so that's yeah. <laughs> sure. Like if if Facebook messages only Penny. came once a day, that might be different. If email was not free, if spam cost a hundredth of a cent per message to send, no one would ever do it because it's not cost effective at any cost at all. Yeah, I feel like email is just going away now because of spam. Everybody still uses it. Spam or email? I it it is remarkable to me the extent to which email is still like a consistent like 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 a consistent like like way like for like for like people to like send each other messages, man. No, every every adult interaction Yeah, no, that's that's what I have to achieve anything is still email. I still use it, but I'm almost forty, so but I think if a 20-year-old person is buying a house. <laughs> they're going to interact with the adult world. Uh, no, you know what I mean. They're if, role-playing did you buying see that a house article over email. about the interim generation for people born between 1977 and 1983? Ah, garbage. We're still in Gen X even well, with that I'm interim generation. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? Xennials? Is that what? The Xennials, yeah. The Xennials, yeah. People who grew up. Without the internet, but then had it before, like had it early enough that it wasn't foreign to them as adults. I think I, I mean, count. Yeah, sure. I, I feel like I'm in there as well. There, there's definitely kind of a weird hazy border there. Because it also depends on like how, Penny. how, how quickly, <laughs> how quickly where you grew up, like acquired I mean, internet and stuff like that. No, that's Kevin, another you one. Gotta stop. That's <laughs> uh, well. Uh, the reason that I that I'm doing this is we have recently been criticized for using the word like too much uh, 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 by an asshole. Uh, up well, yours, whoever <laughs> wants to criticize that, because I'm not by we, by we do you yeah, mean I'll, Zach? I'll send you everyone podcast. who speaks. Yes, I'll, I'll send podcast. you how um, I do. I'll send you an article not... to put in the show notes about how. Um, so-called, uh, what, what are they called? Fil- space fillers? There's a word for them that, um, that makes them sound bad. It starts with dis. Um, how they actually, like, provide the listener with useful information about the upcoming thing that is about to be said. Cause so, um, is one of them probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Also about the mental processes involved in the production of the sounds. Yeah. The, the sentences, right? Do you feel that there is a, where we can't, Gaps in. You're trying not time. to say like. No, or what I'm trying to do uh, is illustrate what happens if you don't use any interstitial things. There's just these ga- these literal air gaps. Yeah, and that's unpleasant. We want to fill that space so that you know that I'm still talking, that I still have a thought going on. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> you could just fill it with like an annoying buzzing noise. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, 
you know who was really good at that was <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton's character in Sling Blade. Yeah. <laughs> Those were some very good dis whatever Jim said. <laughs> he didn't. But, I didn't actually say it. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, you guys should listen to a podcast that I discovered from... I think Chris Remo mentioning it on Important If True. It's some called Lexicon call it, Valley. Some people it call is it a podcast. a Slate podcast, which I have not generally liked the Slate podcast that I've listened to. But I call it a Slate cast. <laughs> Lexicon Valley. Very, very good podcast about etymology hmm. and word stuff. And it's the hosts are extremely foul-mouthed. And oh, it's huh. great. Okay. Yep. Um, it changes hosts like halfway through its run. It changes hosts about halfway through its run is what I meant by like in that case. I'm sure there's an episode about like. Good. About like what? I'm sure there's an episode about who's on first. <laughs> do you like mountains or do you like? Oh, I only them? like like mountains. So, um, Jesus Christ. 40 minutes. I want, I want to talk about Annihilation. Okay. The movie. Yeah. That okay. you saw. Yeah. Just the before, concept. Before we, yeah, no, I don't want to murder you all. Um, <laughs> sci-fi film? Out, yeah. Out now? Sci-fi film out now. We April and I saw it last week or a few days ago. Don't spoil it because Kevin and I are going to see it tomorrow. Well, also, I'm trying to convince everybody who's listening to the show to see it, so I'll try not to spoil it for them, too. Okay. Uh, Astute so listeners may like, remember, yes, may remember that I talked about this book, the, about the book that it was based on like a year ago. Also called Annihilation? Also called Annihilation, but I didn't know what it, I didn't remember what it was called. I just described reading a book. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, I uh, sat down. I looked at some words. Yeah, well, I, I talked about some of the content of the book. Okay. Um. Which was like at the time I had talked about it, which was intriguing, but then like kind of devolved into a mess of nothing that um, I the gave up on like halfway through. Yeah, okay. the book uh, and the movie, like I could see people feeling the same way about it, but I really liked the it. The audience or the filmmakers or the, the audience. speculative audience? I'm talking about a hypothetical audience. Hypothetical audience. audience. Okay. Who who thinks that this movie, like, starts with something intriguing and becomes nonsense? Okay. Um, but I I really liked the um how well how effectively it put the viewer in the headspace of someone who would be encountering the unknowable. I thought that was really really well done. It's sort of. The the stuff that I've heard people saying about it online and the, the criticisms of it have created a couple of interesting notions, I think. One is that there seems to be this expectation that if you're watching a movie, that it have a coherent plot. That, like, mm-hmm. it is important to being even a, an acceptable movie that the movie have a plot that the viewer can understand and how... That is not true of any other art form, really. <laughs> so, you know, you don't say, oh, I don't get what this painting is about. Therefore, it is a bad painting. Right. Like, if you don't get what the painting is about, that makes it a painting that people will talk about for thousands of years, as opposed to, this is obviously about fruit. What if, <laughs> what if, but a lot of fruit paintings are in galleries, to, to like, be fair. What about boring a film galleries that, 
has a plot, but it is not immediately clear how it works. Primer. Right? No, primer. 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 Remember? It's oh, primer. Fuck that. Even even the director eventually gave up and started calling it primer. Now. Uh, so like that is just confusing, but it's definitively got a plot. I was thinking of more like upstream color. Which I have not seen. Oh, you've got to see. It's so fucking good. Okay. It's really good. Even though it doesn't have a plot. I didn't say that. It definitely has a plot. It's also kind of confusing, though. I, I was going to say... So that is an example of something where you have to really think about it to like to to really sort of grok it. But then there's other things like some Terrence Malick films, maybe that are like what is it, Knight of Cups, which I hated. And uh, did he also do Tree of Life? I think he did Tree of Life, which I hated. <laughs> so there's also like I would say that the uh, the demo is an offshoot of the movie. The demo. The demo in the sense of like uh, the demo scene work in that that came out of the uh, the Cracktro scene. Cracktro. Okay, okay. This is. You, I'm sorry. You I'm have using to back. You're gonna keep, here keep backing up. Out. That's fine. Uh, so, <laughs> have you heard of Future Crew? No. Okay. All right. How about more nouns? Um, so, cracking. Okay. Is the 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 process of taking a um, copyrighted game, a, taking a copy protected software product okay. and removing the copy protection from it. Okay. Crack tros were little pieces of like visual, visual animation, okay. sometimes with music, that people would add to those the software they had cracked as a like a signature. As okay. like uh, my, my 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 title screen. Or it's a studio card. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. and the demo scene is came out of the people who thought that making the crack tros were more fun than doing the actual cracking. Okay. And they just made started making more and more elaborate uh, visual animations. And was part of the goal of these to be really small because there wasn't a lot of extra space available? Uh, in, it, that, that was part of it. Like, nowadays, I would say that the most interesting demos are the ones that will fit in four kilobytes, for example, like a 4K executable. Yeah. Um, but that, that wasn't the whole – like, that was just part of it. Um, the, 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 imp- the purpose of these demos, like from the, from the perspective of like the, the, the creator is, is to like impress people with your ability to make cool visual animations in software. Basically that was the, that was the entire purpose of these things. And I would like argue that these were, are basically plotless movies that are like 10 minutes long and the demos, yeah, the themselves. demos. Yeah. Okay. Plotlessness is the thing that you associate with insufferable art student films. Right. But right. the demo scene stuff um, is very much like – the stuff I'm thinking of at least, I would not compare that to um, insufferable art student films because it's taking tropes from like the kind of things that 14-year-olds are interested in. So there's a lot of like – here we – I, I – painted this girl with enormous breasts in deluxe paint here look at that for a second okay now here's a 3d model of a spaceship flying around and here's a mod of a rush song (laughs) well it's usually original music but yes that sort of thing so beyond the black rainbow which i saw recently and i don't remember if i talked about it on the podcast or if it if i actually saw it in between the crews did weird things to time yep uh it was also this languidly paced, very 
visually striking movie that was not it got criticized for not having much of a plot but definitely had a plot it was just a short plot and annihilation had a plot too like i could tell you what happens in that movie uh it just had parts of the plot that were like not for human consumption basically Kind of like the end of 2001, yeah. right? I mean, it, that's it, I sort think of that's a, a fair comparison, yeah. And the end of 2001 was the experience of someone transcending transcending human. matter and yeah. becoming a consciousness encoded in the energy yeah. structure of the universe, which is something that like I you can't just show like right, right, and which is something that like I get now, but didn't get when I saw it. Sure, and you wouldn't get it from seeing it, right? Like right. you you get it if you read the book. Which Arthur C. Clarke wrote based on his own screenplay. <laughs> right. It also, I guess, it kind of explains it in the sequel. Yeah. In I t- forgot in, there were sequels to that movie. In 2010, when Dave makes it back to Earth and talks to his wife through the television and explains to her what's happening. Right. But, it's, you know, people didn't. You got to check out this sick movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. It was all 60s when it happened for some reason. Right. And now I'm on a, on a, a staticky TV because Poltergeist came out in between now and then. <laughs> and this is what's cool now. But right. yeah, anyway. Hi, honey. <laughs> I'm, I miss you. Glad you have a new family after I vanished in space 20 years ago. Did Close Encounters have some sort of weird staticky TV moment? I don't remember. Hmm. Was that, was that like a, trope had like that- a staticky mashed potatoes moment? <laughs> I think that was just pepper. Okay. <laughs> My mistake. Were there mashed potatoes and <laughs> poltergeist? Probably. Like a child raised a cautionary tale about a child who was allowed to watch too much TV, and if you gave them food with too much pepper in it, they would complain that it was staticky. <laughs> yeah. Mike TV. The sky was the color of mashed potatoes. <laughs> All right, are we ready to talk about video games? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah, sure. It's a video games podcast, guys. I've only played Cinco Paus for the entire time I was on the boat. Okay. uh, And then I've only played Into the Breach since I got back. Ah, it's so good. How's how's Breach spelled? I talked about B R E A C H. Okay. Wow, Into the Breaches? Like as in one pant. Pant? Right. What is a breach? A breach with two E's means like, like, it's like a the... breach birth is when a kid is born feet first instead uh, of head huh. first, which is the undesirable way. And that's spelled with e- two E's instead so, of yeah. Me. Into oh, the yeah. breach is like into the butt. Is, is what... <laughs> no, I don't think that that's what. Isn't it I, like I don't the, think anyone's butt is really involved in it. Load a rifle cartridge into. Yeah, yeah. Is it like a, is the breach a, a hole on the other end of a thing? So that's why pants are called breaches? Yeah, because they have holes on both ends. Oh. But there's, so a breach is, is, is a gap through something, right? B-R-E-A-C-H. With, with the A, right. yeah. Yeah, but it's, it would be weird for the... Breach, part of a cannon behind the bore, a person's buttocks. Okay. okay. Wow. So it's butt. It's just a butt birth. You were right. It is about butts. A butt wow. baby. Everything's about butts. It's into the breach. E A C H. And I think it's about which is about going into someone's butt. Time. <laughs> it's you go into a time it's butthole. Those, I guess. Robert Yang games. The <laughs> Twitch band. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Robert Yang's Into the Breach. <laughs> Just <clears throat> oh, they should totally make that game. So uh, I think we've talked about this at length on the podcast before. Uh, on the on we the talked uh, about it on, on the, the Tom Francis the Creighton Crowbar the Creighton Crowbar Crosscast, the old CNC CC, the Austin uh, City Limits. What's it called? Fantastic no. Arcade. Fantastic Arcade crossover podcast. Anyway, it's a extremely good turn based tactical game that is extremely good okay <laughs> it's puzzle puzzly tactically can't stop playing it it's from the makers of ftl it has this just genius conceit that i think probably just is a part of the fundamental vocabulary of video games from now on as a result of this which is you it is a turn-based game but you see exactly what the consequences of your actions are going to be by doing it you see exactly what the enemy is going to do when it is their turn and your job is to respond to that mm -hmm. and to prevent that from doing the damage that the enemies want to do huh. um the the you have a suite of robots but you don't honestly care whether they live or die except for the fact that they are sort of your verbs in the scene what you are trying to do is prevent damage to your city to the infrastructure you don't you because don't the infrastructure is is your hit points yeah, so there you, are these buildings all over the place and every time the enemy hits a building you lose one of your seven hit points that you have and when that is gone the game's over you do you don't want your mechs to die because they have pilots in them that level up over time and upgrade their abilities and so if the mech is destroyed the pilot dies and it gets a zero ability ai pilot in it the next the mech is still there but your verbs have diminished effectiveness without the pilots, especially some of the unlockable pilots have like pretty significant, hmm. like this mech can move twice in a turn instead of once kind wow. of abilities. Like there are some very powerful that's, and they, they require additional resources to, to, to use. They're, they're, they're fairly balanced. Something FTL was really good and I got super into it and spent a lot of hours playing it, but something that always kind of bothered me about it and one of the only things that I could point to that I felt was not bad, but just a flaw in the design of that game is the way the unlocks worked for new ships and new races and new content was very random the sequence of random events yeah you, you would have, have to you would need to get a random encounter and do thing a in this one random encounter and then another random encounter would have to get rolled and you would have to do thing b in that one and then a third random encounter would get rolled and if you had done a and b you could do c in the third one and then that would unlock a new ship and it was fascinating from a story point of view what happened that way but you couldn't try you could not set out to unlock a specific ship and get it done on purpose you just had to wait until it happened and know exactly what to do when the circumstances did arise you liked that game that i'm forgetting the name of that was the cards and you were sort of trying to unlock old gods oh underhand underhand yeah and that was a very game similar of that took it was just five shorter, minutes to right play. And i think maybe that's yeah, the problem yeah, is yeah. that and a game of ftl takes an hour and a half right and so the oh, i never lasted that long <laughs> i think the argument is that theoretically you're unlocking these things naturally by through the game play because you're 
playing it a bunch. Maybe. But I think with a hundred hours of FTL, I had unlocked maybe half of the ships. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's not true. Maybe I maybe I did more of them than I thought. But this one, it you get coins for getting achievements, and then you use those coins to unlock additional squads of robots, which then just become available. To, you can put together a custom squad of like any robots that you've unlocked. And every squad has their own set of achievements. So unlocking a new set of characters for you to be gives you the ability to earn some more coins so that you can unlock another set so that you can earn some Do more coins. More so cocaine. You can, yeah, so you can make more money so you can buy more coke. Yep. Uh, there are some... I ended up kind of accidentally getting a bunch of achievements all at once in one game that I played late today where I just... There was an achievement for winning the game with a team of three copies of the same hmm. mech, which I did. Uh, and on the easy difficulty of this game has gotten way easier since the last time I played it. Also, it's it's so much more accessible than FTL. It is. Oh, God, they are just going to kick our ass at the IGF. and <laughs> They are going to deserve it because yep. fucking a this is a well-designed just just a genius game. It is so, so good. It's, and man, fuck those guys. Like FTL and then this. Like, how do you, how are your first and second games this good? Did FTL also take like seven years to make? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think so, right? I don't know. FTL was a weird early Kickstarter success that, that I think FTL was one of the first big Kickstarter deliveries. Well, FP, it, if I remember right, FTL was like almost done when they had the Kickstarter. Oh, no, was just it? Trying to, I think they were just trying to pay Ben Prunty. Mm. And that's the main I, I, That's the main reason I'm happy this game exists is so that Ben can keep making a living. Yeah, it's a noble goal Yeah, to pay Ben Prunty. Yeah. Uh, I did some of that. He does good work. Yeah. He makes those, he makes those good, good Prunty jams. Doot, doot, doots. He makes the doot doots. Yeah. <laughs> I'll link that skeleton okay, in the show notes. You. <laughs> um, you play anything, Kevin? Uh, I have played two games uh, by some auteurs. Uh, one game is uh, a new jam by Bennett Foddy. Uh, it's a game called Monastery. It's a Pico 8 game. Really? It's weird. Like a recent new Benefati game. Like within the past week or so. Wow. It came out while we were on the boat. What? It's it's weird. It's not there's not a lot of game there. If you know what you're doing, you can beat it like five minutes. Yeah. Pico eight games like are necessarily very small. Yes. Uh, it is a little puzzle platformer uh, that does not really give you much instruction about what you're supposed to do, but it kind of unfolds. Over time, it is tricky, and it is not at all obvious, uh, but it is worth playing. Hmm. Monastery, I believe it is called Monastery. I can, I, I'll, it'll be in the show notes, and you should check it out. Uh, and then the other game that I spent, uh, I want to say, fifteen minutes playing today is One Hour One Life. Uh, my experience was more like fifteen minutes four lives, but. <laughs> uh, so this is a new Jason Rohrer, Jason Rohrer jam. jam. Is it a rumination on mortality or a weird multiplayer only game? Yes. Nice. It is a little like Don't Starve uh, because it looks like Don't Starve. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of 
There's a bunch of recipes for things. There's a bunch of craftable items. I mean, you are trying Don't to Starve. I will give you that. You, but I do not think that it actually looks like Don't Starve. Okay. D- so do you think that the comic strip Peanuts looks like Don't Starve? No. Okay, so then neither does this. This does not look like Peanuts, though. No, but it is it is a entirely different line art style. Okay. All right. Like, it... <clears throat> I like the colors. You're, like, is it, it looks almost like it's watercolor painted. I, maybe. Maybe your 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 line art sensibilities are just so much I more evolved than mine. That that you, that's true. I just that think you that you have way more grad- like gradations. I think that them. you just love Don't Starve and you want everything to be Don't Starve. No, and you're I, like, oh I god, like, I wish Minecraft was as good as Don't I, Starve. I like Don't Starve. <laughs> I. It is ironically much much easier not to starve in in Don't Starve <laughs> than it is in. Uh, one hour, one life. Hmm. Is it uh, as easy to shit your pants as in don't shit your pants? <laughs> you don't start with any pants. It's really hard to so get. It's very hard. It's hard so to get it's... pants, and therefore it is hard to shit your pants. So hey, when <laughs> figured out a loophole there, no pants, no shit in your pants. Exactly. When <laughs> you that was, that was in don't shit your pants. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. But that was just one solution. This is just the constant solution. Uh, in one hour, one life, you start off you cannot feed yourself uh, and you will die of starvation in about 30 seconds unless the the person, the other player that you are born to uh, picks you up and holds you and therefore you breastfeed. And that period of time where you cannot sustain yourself lasts a couple of minutes and then you finally you get some hair on your head and you're finally able to toddle around and like pick off pick berries off of bushes and eat them and stuff like that. Uh, it is an extremely steep learning curve. It seems like that two minutes of being helpless and breastfed is supposed to provide an opportunity for the mother to the pass player on who is your knowledge. mother to tell you how to yep. play the game. Yep. Which is cool. It is cool. Yeah, like so. I, the the first three lives I had in the game, uh, were, the first one I was born to a mother who had just also had another child. I don't know what the rules are regarding this, uh, and she was just freaked out. She couldn't handle two at once, and I died almost immediately. Yeah, like, what if you go to play and there aren't any adult women I, characters? I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know. I don't know if every character is female or or how any Maybe of this you stuff get works. raised by wolves or something. Like, yeah, I don't know. The the mechanic that was really fascinating to me that you that I don't know that I would have ever known about if you hadn't told me or I hadn't played was that you the length of messages that you're allowed to speak is goes the number up of as you age yeah, it's the number it's of years that you are old so yeah. you start out only being able to make these like monosyllabic baby communications yep that's really good it's fascinating I, it, I'm I'm into it so the final the fourth life I had was finally somebody who was like trying to teach me the ropes and of course i only had five minutes to play so i couldn't benefit from their that living with that character because i would have i think i would have learned a lot about how the game works because in in that few minutes i learned a bunch of really important stuff like don't pick all the berries off of a bush don't deplete don't deplete the resources around you because they replenish way faster if they are not uh overutilized uh it's a weird Gameplay style, so in Don't Starve or Minecraft or other games like that, I feel like you get a lot of satisfaction out of setting up your own territory. In this game, you are 
benefiting from the players who've come before and passing on theoretical benefits to players down the line by these just little increments of life that you're getting to play. You don't get to really benefit from your own work in any You're trying to build way. civilization. You're trying to build a civilization, yeah. Who knows what it's going to turn into, right? Because uh, theoretically, Jason Orr is going to add, as long as people are playing it, they're going to add uh, like 100 items a week hmm. to it, 100 cra- craftable items a week. I wonder if it's just trying Wait, to- is he like making 100 new craftable items a week? That is the goal. That is ambitious. Mm-hmm. I think it's- if I th- if you think of it sort of like a doodle god kind of thing where you just you're always crafting two things together to make a third thing you can do the whole civilization like like Sid Meier civilization tech tree because right now nobody would could possibly get that far like when I got in there it was kind of awesome it was like here's a bunch of things on the ground we, we have almost everything we need to make iron we're missing some stuff we're missing a couple of things. That's crazy. It's so cool. Like, uh, yeah. It's it's interesting, the idea of, like, people in um, a civilization that is, like, inventing agriculture yep. with the intent of eventually, like, inventing the cell phone. Right. Yep. And going to Alpha Centauri. Right. One yeah. hour at a time. It's it. I feel like the pace of it is a little too fast. You the your hunger meter goes down so quickly. You have to be preoccupied with feeding yourself for so long that it's really. I feel like that's true to life. Yeah, it's just it just is sad. Yeah, I mean, if you think about you know two minutes of your life or two minutes of gameplay equaling like a year of your life, the fact that you need to eat a single berry every thirty seconds that kind of makes you know. That's sure. way less food than... Yep, but you don't have... We have a lot more time to learn from our uh, forebears than we do compared to the amount of time you do need to Do we, eat. man, or is this all just like over in the blink of an eye, man, and nobody ever really learns anything, man? Yeah. There were a bunch of... There's a bunch of really interesting games released in the past week. <laughs> right? It's good. It's a good week. What have you been playing, Jim? Uh, I played. Um, this was uh, recommended by Andy Bio. There's a um, a game called Battleship Solitaire. Oh yeah, which yeah. is kind of like a, a a variant on Picross. Oh right, that's just like in a web page. Uh, so it apparently runs on my it's phone. A, it's a genre of puzzle. It is. The first time I'd seen it was on this web page. Um, it was a pre-existing genre. Yeah, I guess I also played some of that because you linked it in, in or you linked it in. I linked it on Twitter, then Kevin linked it in. I, in but our, I, in I also learned it from from yeah. Bayo. Oh so, yeah, okay. Just on Slack instead of Twitter. And it's a you know it's Bay Bayo. You say Bayo, Bio Bayo. <laughs> Is it related to Scott Bio? Scott Bio. Let's, let's read. Let's read their bios. <laughs> right. Um, I, and I, I've been in, I've been doing some of these puzzles and enjoying them, but they don't seem to. I mean, it might just be that like Picross puzzles, like you get a picture at the end. Mm. Mm. 
like, but these they are don't, not satisfying. They're not way. satisfying, and like they don't seem to get harder. No, these no. are these are they're all very easy. They're it seemed like, and maybe that's just like this web page. It doesn't try to make them yeah. try to like it doesn't try to sort them by difficulty. Also, I um, I'm I'm not a hundred percent certain on this, but I feel like other implementations I've seen of it maybe either didn't give you boat pieces as clues or didn't tell you when the boat pieces it gave you as clues were end pieces or not. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure whether or not I'm remembering that correctly, but the fact that it does do that in this version makes them very easy. You and I think it just it programmatically creates ones that give you in, enough information to solve it without right. ever having to do any sort of trial and error. Right, which, and then that's the goal yeah. for for any of a puzzle like this. But uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know if yeah maybe maybe, you know, maybe it would be possible for them to make more different more difficult ones that still satisfied that if it were coded a different way or something. You don't think that a, a a map of a fictional uh, armada is as interesting as a, like an eight by eight <laughs> pixel art picture of a teacup or whatever? I don't know. I, I my sense of it after playing a bunch of these is just that I'm not sure that this kind of puzzle scales hmm. to like scales down to like here's something trivial to do and here's something that's hard to do that I want to spend a lot of time on the way that Picross does or like Alcazar or Sudoku. Um, but yeah, I was with you until Alcazar Sudoku. Okay. <laughs> like, cause I really, I like Picross and I've never found any other like style of sort of Japanese logic puzzle. Cause I think of them all as being Japanese, right? Like Picross a is a Japanese are, thing, yeah. right? Nurikabe um, is really good. I really enjoy that. Which that was ironically that? not Japanese. <laughs> What's the, which one's Nurikabe riff? That is the one where, uh, certain squares on the grid have numbers in them and those indicate, uh, like that square is part of an island, uh, made of a number of squares equal to that number. Right. And every, every island has a single number on it, uh, uh consequently, because that wouldn't make any sense otherwise. Or regions. They're, they're yeah, like regions, regions, not islands. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, I've also, I've, I've, I've seen it also referred to as islands in the stream as as an alternate name for this sort of puzzle uh but there's also the I islands and bridges puzzles yeah that's something else uh those are pretty good too but uh but uh Nurikabe is really satisfying um but yeah sudoku is awful i can't stand sudoku it's so boring <laughs> Oh, but uh, yeah. the other thing I was going to say is, uh, I wonder if, I wonder if this is this battleships puzzle is the solution to why two-player like regular board game battleship is so fucking boring. Like if you if you played not that, why, but how you can fix it. Yeah, how you could fix it if 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 you if you played that with the ship placement rules from the solitaire game and traded like the row and column information with your opponent at the start of the game. Like if that would yeah, make a more interesting, I think that would make it that. an actual game. Yeah. I don't know if it'd be a good one. It isn't not a game. It's, I feel like it's more of a game of chance than, well, I guess that's still a game. 
But there are some minor strategies to it. I mean, it's, you don't, it's for children, right? Yeah. Candyland. I I mean, Mark, Mark Rosewater talks about this, right? Like, yes, obviously for us as adults, like Candyland, that's dumb and we would not want to play it. But for kids, it teaches you how to take turns. It teaches you how a die or a spinner works. It teaches you about randomness. It teaches you that this token represents your position on a thing that is in an order. Like it's, and I I think that battleship is, it's similar to that, but like, I I think maybe my personal reaction to Battleship is that I was momentarily fooled by Battleship into thinking it was an actual game of strategy mm-hmm. and then was annoyed when I realized this is not it was not that. And I don't know if that's I don't think that's universal, but um well, I think learning that you shouldn't just start at A1 and <laughs> then go A2 <laughs> yeah, and then A3 true. and then A4 and you know. Yeah. Maybe you were just better at Battleship than I was to begin with. So, <laughs> I, I think I had, uh, I think I had to figure that out. You're right. I got to the point where if I was going to get any better at Battleship, I would need to start reading, you know, memorizing lists of openings, and I was just like, well, <laughs> <laughs> making up some flashcards, yeah. Or you know, there's probably you, so you place the ships yourself. Yeah. So you could make the argument that it is like. Like rock, paper, scissors in the, yeah. But I guess it's like rock, paper, scissors, except that the mind games would have to play out over a series of hundreds of games of Battleship, which no one has ever played. Right, yeah. (laughs) Do you think there is a person alive who has played a hundred games of Battleship with a physical Battleship set? Hmm. I guess there must be. Yeah, there must be. Yeah, the the testers. (laughs) Right. The Battleship Q&A guys. Even them. So what if you made like the grid like three by three? <laughs> with that a, would be maybe small a small enough game to iterate. Isn't that uh, with basically a, with one three link boat, two two link boats, and two one link boats? Right. Yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so just whoever goes first wins. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. And I played um, Eponymous by Kyle Pittman. Um, that's a couple years old. I think it's just a few months old. Is that the one old. where the it's the first person shooter and it's first person and you're in a you wake up in like a cell and you can hear people talking on a radio or something? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of it's there's no shooting. So it's like you're just walking around. They you will occasionally like run into power-ups and they're very explicitly called out as like Mario style power-ups that give you um like Here's the one that lets you jump. Here's the one that lets you mantle. Um, And while you're doing this, Kyle is talking to you over a headset. Just like it's it's, a full time job for him to play. Right. right, Yeah. Well, they're, they're played out as audio logs as if you were like, it's, it's not really made clear, but like it, it feels like you're just, it's explicitly that you are testing this video game that he's working on. Dead instant. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there are like horror trappings where occasionally there will be like. It would be dying stun. It was, I didn't even construct it correctly. <laughs> so good though. <laughs> Livingston. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, like Jonathan, a Livingston. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, it doesn't really, as far as I can tell, add up to anything at the end. And this is like, I think it, it was explicitly a goal to, um, to construct a very mysterious game. And he like in the, in talking about the game, he's talked about like House of Leaves. And I get, I think I get that that's what the, it's, so this is done in the, uh, Neon Struct engine, which is a, Minecraft-like 3D engine where all the the world is built out of these bricks, uh, textured bricks. Was Neon Struct like that? I I think of I, if I had had to pick one of Kyle's brother's games that this was built in the engine of, it would have been uh, Eldritch, not Neon Struct. I thought I thought Neon Struct was built in the Eldritch engine. Huh, I didn't think so. I thought Neon Struct was I like... I remember Neon Struct being like having built, the same... Built 3D, huh? I, hmm. Yeah. And I could be wrong. It might not be the, the Neon Struct engine, but like I, it's it looked like that. Um, Man, remember Slayer Shock? Yeah, I liked Slayer Shock a lot. Yeah. It sold like 800 copies. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it seems like this Jason Rohrer game, based on the stats on the webpage, like 300 and some people had played it. Oof. Day that it, but it came out today, so play it today. Yeah, People, if you're play gonna, it. Play it today because like if you if you want to be born, you got to be born no, right now. It's like twenty bucks. It's 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, eponymous. Oh, oh yeah, it's I, I, yeah, it's like three dollars. I, I played like twenty minutes of it, but I had, I had installed so it on my almost finished it on my laptop, and it was a huge pain in the ass to play with the trackpad. So oh, I yeah. just didn't. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a short game. It, so what I was going to say was that, um, it's, it's in a Minecraft like engine. Um, and I, I think I get that it was going for like a House of Leaves style thing where you, it intersperses like realistic rooms with weird, like cave like rooms with weird, like Twin Peaks dream looking rooms. Um, I gotta fucking read House of Leaves. That's, I, I really liked. <laughs> part it's it's like how i was recommending the trailer for beyond the black rainbow okay like house of leaves i i really liked like the it's it's a nested it has multiple nested stories Mm -hmm. and i really liked the innermost one yeah and by like the halfway point through the book i was just skipping all the rest of it that's Mm. that's kind of what i have heard is that the best way to read house of leaves is to ignore all the footnotes the first time you read it and then Mm -hmm. and then if you're super into it then go back and read it again but read the footnotes this time Right, so that makes sense. Did you ever read Cloud Atlas? No. Okay. It's also a bunch of nests. Nested it's stories. about an Asian Tom Hanks, isn't it? Well, sure. What? <laughs> the, the movie version of the book oh, okay. has a has a, a Tom Hanks with Asian makeup on in it. Oh. Um. Weird. It 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 makes sense, but it's complicated. <laughs> Uh, but the problem with it, back to eponymous, um, the problem with like doing that sort of thing in that sort of engine is that it all feels weird because all the rooms are made of these perfectly like equisized bricks. Like every, every room looks, even the realistic spaces look like it's, uh, like they are a strange space, like a cartoon space. And so it doesn't quite sell that idea of juxtaposing the alien with the norm, with the mundane. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I was thinking that 
interior spaces you could make look not totally unrealistic with yeah, that. But like every door for like every wall is half your height thick, which right. is not like any room. Yeah, and and some there are definitely some like there's one room in there that actually was convincing, which was the room that was like uh that was like a room in a museum with a painting on display. And that one actually like if you just looked at a screenshot of that then it might look like this was that's what an actual space might look like. I don't know. I enjoyed it, but it I'm not sure it works at what it's trying to do. And I'm not sure what it's trying to do. So uh and I played um the um the remake of Shadow of the Colossus. Oh. Um and I had played Shadow of the Colossus back in two thousand five when it was first released on PS2. Uh and I liked it but I didn't really get it. Like, I didn't get it the way that some people seem to really, like, they came away from it loving it. Yeah. I, I wanted to like it. I found it too difficult. I Like, I couldn't beat the second guy because I kept falling yeah. off. Uh, the, this game has a um, an easy mode, which is much easier than the original game was. Hmm. Okay. Which is nice. Um, and that's how I played it because I don't give a shit. I don't have – I've got nothing to prove. Um and I, um, I came away from that, like really respecting it, but mostly as a technical marvel, hmm. like that game did things with the PS2, like the, the, the lighting engine, the physics engine, like the, the, the huge disparities in scale, fighting those enormous things, the fur rendering, yeah, yeah. uh, the, the motion blur tech. Those were all like things that you would not expect to really be possible on that system. Um, and those are all things except for fighting enormous creatures. Um, those are all things that are just commonplace now. So like those are kind of like mm. not part of the equation when you're judging this new game. Um, sort of like how Casablanca feels full of cliches. Until you realize that it was the movie that created all of those cliches. Right. Godfather yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like Citizen Kane seems like it has hokey flashbacks until you realize, oh, wait, that was the first flashback. Right. <laughs> and like, that's what it does. The weedly, 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 like he just had to invent something <laughs> to indicate a flashback. Oh, I never really thought about that. That's amazing. He invented Wayne and Garth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I will say that like, but but the the fighting the giants and it like that's still kind of a marvel because nobody like that's still something that like if is something that I I wouldn't expect any AAA game to do that sort of thing nowadays because Isn't God of War full of that though is that kind of a hallmark of that series not I mean as quick time events like in the same way that you fight giants in like a zelda mm, which okay. is you go up and you whack at their feet or like in, even in a dark souls i don't think dark souls does a good job when you're fighting big things no it has um, camera problems mainly right yeah um and actually notably um i don't think um some of the colossi in shadow of the colossus are small and i think the engines bad though i think those are bad fights like I think this this engine was made for fighting big things and that's where it works best. Um and so like I was I was playing this game. I, I finished it. It was like it's like on easy mode it's like 5 hours long, which is kind of nice. Um the the actual act of playing it 
is kind of like you, you're alternating between these exhilarating, you know, climbing up these monsters and stabbing them in their weak points and doing like adventure game puzzles, which is like, how do I get this guy to lower his head so I can jump on it? Um, which I think are the weakest part of the game. Um, that's, that stuff is, is, not particularly fun to do. And I came away from this game after finishing it thinking I didn't like it. Um, and then I kept thinking about it and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. I am haunted by this game. <laughs> like it's the, the aesthetics and what happens to the characters and, mm-hmm. and what the game makes you do and the cost the game makes you pay. Like, is kind of amazing. Uh, uh, like I, I feel like when I think about what I did in this game, I made enormous mistakes, like, uh, not gameplay mistakes, but just by continuing to play this game, I think I fucked up and I would do it again. Uh, I, I mean, I killed the first guy and I was like, I feel bad about that. Uh huh. And then I just put and the game down. Stop, and, oh, I, see, you won. I think that's a. I think that's a pretty good reaction. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, but I, also, I also like, felt that way about Undertale, right? Like, sure. I just I yeah. cannot play Undertale because it goes out of its way to make you feel bad about killing stuff, but yeah. then it's still a game about killing stuff. So, yeah. Like, it's and I, I think like so the way this game yeah. opens is super hard mode, I guess. The way the way Shadow of the Colossus opens is by like you are um, carrying a corpse of a woman into the Forbidden Lands. With the explicit intent of res- using like forbidden magic to resurrect her, and then you meet this voice, faceless entity that speaks to you, saying like, "In order to bring this woman back to life, you must perform this ritual where you, um, where you kill these sixteen colossi, basically." And it becomes clear over the course of the game that doing this like is kind of a fucked up thing to do. Um, but it's. I feel like it's I I think the the theme of like wanting to resurrect a loved one who has passed on is pretty universal. Um and I think that was part of what drove me and the other part of what drove me is just like you do what the game tells you to do because it's always the good thing. Yeah, would you kindly <laughs> murder these 16 gentle <laughs> beasts? Right. Um and when I say I'd, I'd do it again, I mean, like, I feel like this is how this story needs to go. Um, and the ending is kind of like, it, it makes it very clear that, like, you fucked up bad, but also, like... Do you get your girlfriend back? Weirdly, yes, but mm. not in, like, not in the way Monkey's that paw kind he of and the character... No, it's not even that. It's just, like... It's, it's made clear that you fucked up badly, but it's not, you're, you're not screwed. Like, it's just a, it's life kind of, in a, in a life kind if, in a life kind of, shit, in a life goes on kind of a way, you know? In a not starving sort of way. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to say, that game looks exactly like Don't Starve. <laughs> this game is gorgeous. Like, I, I have, um, this is one of the, my favorite things about this game is just like how every frame looked a painting. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. And it's actually fairly different. I think from the way the original game looked, which was also gorgeous. 
Um, the original game was a lot more washed out and painterly, and this game is a lot more like uh, trying to represent the space in a more realistic way, but I think it works just as well. And like the game still feels just as dreamlike and mythic. Um, and yeah, it's, it's representing this space that is, it, it's, it's an open world game with basically nothing in it. Like even the other Colossi, like you can, the only Colossus that exists is the one you're supposed to kill next. If you go to the other arenas, they won't be there yet, hmm. which is weird. But I, th- I think the intent there was just to convey the idea that you're not, this, this world is not for you. You're not supposed to be here. It's not supposed to be interesting to you. I mean, yeah, like I can appreciate a game that does that by having the world be very threatening to you, like a Breath of the Wild or a Dark Souls. But having the world be boring because it's not for you feels like, "Mm, okay, what's the difference between this and just a shitty, boring game? (laughs) Like, eh. Uh, The difference, I would say, is like intent and like and, and not just not just like intent, but conveyed intent. Like it, it, it reads to me like that, like it felt right in the moment that that was the case. And I would say that this game actually does feel really threatening to you, but instead of threatening your life, it's kind of threatening your soul. Mm. Like th- this is what you, like what you felt where, when you were like, you killed the Colossus and you were like, this is a bad idea. And then you stopped. Like if you had made that, if you'd made the opposite decision 15 more times, like, I, I think it would take something out of you. Yeah. What's the, Riff? What was the World of Warcraft expansion where one of your first zones could be the underwater zone? Was that was that in the, Wrath of the Lich King? Maybe? No, it was after that. the The underwater the Cataclysm. It was cataclysm in Cataclysm. One. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was did all the this elemental stuff. That did this thing where. The opening quest lines, like you would go to a zone and then it would take you from quest hub to quest hub very, very linearly with these big epic things that happened everywhere. And you were making like dramatic changes to the world by playing. But if you went anywhere other than where you were supposed to go, there was just nothing there. The mm-hmm. towns weren't there. The, yeah. It was the the sort of introduction of their like phasing technology. And they were trying to figure out how to do that correctly. And Which can the, get some of that too. But yeah, it was really at the foremost in Cataclysm. It was really dissatisfying. Even yeah. just, even not seeking it out, but just knowing that if I went to the wrong place, there would just be nothing there. As opposed to the feeling that I like in video games, which is, Oh, if I go over there, there will be something there yeah. because this is a place that yeah. the way that you described Shadow of the Colossus working makes me feel like, mm, yeah, I don't like that. It, it, and it's not fun. And like, I agree with you. Like, I, 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 suppo- I guess as a thing that is supposed to make you sad, as opposed to a thing that is supposed to fill you with wonder that this world is real, a thing that is supposed to make you sad because this world is probably dead because every asshole like me that came through here before just killed everything. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it, it, they've been, the land has been sealed. You're not supposed to be here. Mm. And that, that itself is kind of a, like a, a, a good premise for any place, I guess. Is it as good as the dead world that you only encounter the messages written in blood on the subway wall? <laughs> yeah, like in the Simon and Garfunkel song. <laughs> right. The words of the prophets were written on the subway walls. Don't dead open inside. <laughs> I feel like I only get half that joke. Yeah. 
Riff. Hmm. Have you played any video games? Uh, let's see. Um, mostly I played a shitload of uh, Hollow Knight, which I guess we're not talking about yet. <laughs> but uh, uh, I also played a little... Sorry about that assignment foul up. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fine. So, God, that game My is fault. fucking good, though. Um, I'm excited for us to eventually talk about it someday. Um, well, well, you were the only one that was waiting for it on the Switch. If you played it, well, no, Jim and I were both also waiting for it oh, on the Switch. Well, You're the only one that didn't want it on the Switch. I see. Uh, I also played a little bit of Dissembler on the... Oh, iPod. yeah. Tell me about it. It is a... It's a real simple, like, sort of color-matching game. It's it's uh, not exact... Well, and it has a match-three mechanic wherein you are... You have a grid of colored squares, and you are, you know, you you drag one square into a square next to it, and they flip spaces, and uh, and you are trying to create groups of at least three contiguous matching squares. Uh, but the board does not refill afterwards, so it's instead of being randomly generated, it's crafted curated puzzles like order op- order of operations puzzles basically you have to de- there is a mode there is a mode yes there actually yeah there is and that the i played the the relaxed version of that and that was pretty nice actually but um it's it, it's it's real simple and straightforward i don't have a ton to say about it the puzzles get pretty hard and the the sound and animation of it when you when you're flipping the squares because they make this very nice sort of clackety gear sound and the two squares like rotate in space and eh, it's uh it's uh, pretty straightforward but it's pretty satisfying and it, it got hard pretty quick yeah it does it's it's real it's made by um ian mclarty who is the he made catacombs of solaris that game where you're in the maze with the colored patterns on the walls, and then whenever you stop, it rearranges the maze, but projects the stuff that you were seeing onto wherever you're looking in the new maze. Huh, I don't remember that one. Uh, it it's, gets real funky real fast. Yeah, it's it's just... it's There's no goal or anything. Uh, well, that's good, because that sounds basically impossible to solve. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the maze, re- it's just you're in a maze that rearranges itself every time you stop moving. And it, I talked to him about it at PAX Australia and he, I, Chris Remo had discovered this game and, and got briefly obsessed with it. And I would occasionally look over and see him playing it in between work. Uh, it, he said, Ian McClarty said that it was inspired by, and this was a thing that I noticed way more in Australia during, uh, soccer games on TV. There were, ads and information that were projected onto the plane of the field on the television and they just looked like you were looking at them in they were projected on this i mean they do they do some of that in american football games oh yeah but the the blue screen spaces on the on the walls of the arena on the walls where they put ads yeah and and that you know where they will say like this is the line of scrimmage or whatever and, and project it onto the field uh but it's it's just way more pronounced. It's larger, and they they do it they do it in a way that the players are running around on top of it. You know, yeah, that's, the, that's you know, really weird. TV, yeah. Uh, but he he talked about it being inspired by that. It's just it's Catacombs of Solaris is very satisfying to 
just mess around in for a while. Because, because of it, you can, you are responsible for the weird patterns that happen. It starts out just sort of like random blocks of color on all of the walls, but then you can like, you can get it into much weirder configurations by kind of tending towards areas of a color that you like or a pattern that you like. And it's, it's just, it's this kind of emergent visual patterns that you have some control over, but not, it's, it's just very, it's very satisfying to run around in. Uh, he, he showed me December. I don't think it had a name yet. And he was, I'm so glad that it just was released as a $2 game. He was talking about talking to a publisher about it, trying to shoehorn some kind of garbage energy mm. system into it to do oh, it as a free to play thing. And I was, I'm so, I mean, I think he probably will make way less money by releasing it as a fucking video game, but uh, I'm glad that this thing just exists as a thing that you can buy, and it is the work that he created because it was like... Is this uh, on phones or... Yeah. Yeah. It might only be on iOS. I don't know if there is a Android version or not. Dissembler is the name of it if you want to... Oh, I thought you were talking about Catacombs of Solaris. Oh, no, no, no. no. Catacombs of Solaris, I think, is only on PC. Um... Anything else, Riff? Uh, no, that was pretty much it. Shall we then talk about our new assignment, A Case of Distrust? So you know that Dissembler is not a success because there are not even fake results on <laughs> Google Play Store. Well, it only came out yesterday, a few days ago. Okay. Did you, just before we start talking about that, did you see the article about um, fake procedurally generated books on Amazon being sold for hundreds of dollars as a way to steal slash launder money? No, I'd, I'd seen like people trying to sell, like here's a book where we just printed the Wikipedia page for a topic. Right. That's yeah, that you is, can buy a book about kingdom of loathing. <laughs> <laughs> specifically that. That's cool. I feel like that's a, an attempt to like defraud people of money for something that they are hoping to actually right. acquire. This right. is uh, people, making products that they know are meaningless, pricing them really high, and then using that to potentially either like buy things with stolen credit cards or Bitcoin or something. Yeah, interesting. Um, and then being able to like get that money back out because Amazon will deposit it directly into a bank account. Right, uh, right. Very quickly. If you have Bitcoin, you can take it to that barbecue place that um – in Berkeley that takes Bitcoin, oh, you yeah. get some, you get a nice Frito pie in exchange for your, you can, you can launder your Bitcoin and get Frito pie in exchange. Sure. I feel like it's a similar thing. People were, were urging us to accept a Bitcoin for a long time. And I still don't know that even if we had done it, that we would have any meaningful money today. Because so many of the exchanges and stuff were hacked and people lost so much money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But who knows if we would have been smart about it. Uh, anyways, uh, there's a lot of fraud going on uh, using these corpuses online. As that's, yeah, that's fascinating. Ways to cheat the system. Uh, we have to keep talking about this because Zach went to the bathroom. It's true. What else could we talk about that's interesting corpuses? Um. I remember reading about uh, Amazon bots that 
price things dynamically based on the price of competing products. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. Except yeah. when there's like multiple ones of them, yeah, mul- they multiple get into wars. Di- yeah. Right. Right. If I remember right, they kept like the idea was that the bot would price their product slightly higher than their competitor and the idea was that if somebody paid that money, they would buy the item from the competitor and keep the difference. Okay. And so uh, but that but, that's been going on on eBay for a long time too. Right, right. Well, I don't know if it's automated there. No, um, people but, do that in KOL. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, but the uh, what was happening in this one particular case was that there were two bots that were doing that to each other, and so there were uh, the, the the prices of the two items were going up astronomically because they were each trying to like cost slightly more than the other one did. Hmm. So. I can't wait to edit this podcast so that I can hear you explain this thing about money laundering through. Have you seen uh, the the Netflix series Ozark? No. It's about Jason Bateman, who's a money launderer, okay. trying to launder money. I feel like I'm learning a lot about laundering money. Good. <laughs> I think I saw once context. a uh, I saw a movie or show about a counterfeiter who literally laundered his money. Just tried to wash the 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 dye that the bank uh no, it was puts to, on stolen money. It was to make he he like he like washed his his new fake bills with like poker chips to, so they'd be all battered and worn and look authentic. Oh, battered. <laughs> yes, temporous. A case of distrust. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about this assignment, comma? I think we have no choice. Sure. Um, it is an interactive fiction game with some puzzle Ad- elements. Adventure and it is gamey. extremely stylish. Yeah, yeah, it's like a it's like a twine beautiful. game that someone put way more work into making it look pretty than yeah. the actual game. It's I feel like it's a little it's a little more systemic. That's, that's not meant as a diss, by the way. Twine, I think it, right? Like Having a, it has an inventory, basically. It's not an inventory yeah. of items. It's an inventory of stuff that you know about. Yeah. 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 It did feel a little bit like an adventure game in the sense that I felt like I was rubbing everything in my inventory yeah. against a yeah. problem. Yeah. I wasn't willing to do that because it took too long. Uh, so I... The bartender will basically just tell you what to do if you just go back to the bartender. Which is like real life in that regard. Sure. Have yeah. another drink. <laughs> is always the answer. I but I appreciated that. That I appreciated that like I would try the stuff that I thought would make sense and when it didn't pan out the bartender would just say, "You might want to ask this person about this thing." I was like, "Okay, that makes sense. Sure." Now I see. Now that you've explained it to me, <laughs> I understand. Does this game take place in San Francisco? It does, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Po- just During post prohibition. Just post prohibition, I think. Okay. Uh but while there are still temperance folks, the uh, conversations with the cab drivers are interesting. Yeah, yeah. those Learn, are not something about the invention of the rearview mirror. <laughs> those I think are just randomly pulled and not they don't have anything to do with the plot yeah, at yeah. all. That's that's nice. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Like just a bunch of like little vignettes. tiny vignettes about different you know kinds of people you might run into in the twenties in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. there was a guy who just watched a Felix the Cat marathon. Huh. And he was really happy about it. Hmm. 
I wonder if that's a thing that actually happened or if that's some sort of weird conflation of like a modern yeah, I don't know. Thing and I, th- and a- I think we're going to miss it because of South by Southwest, but they are at the, the Alamo is doing back to back to back to the future, which is Ooh, the best nice. name for a back to the future <laughs> marathon. Ah, so great. just chef kissing emoji. Yep. Wow. <laughs> just say it out loud. Yep. I mean, that's, that's the only way to do it on a podcast. You can't just go like, Mwah. you can't like, you have you to could. say chef kissing, Mwah. chef kissing is two fingers in it. And if you look at them, he gets to punch you in that gesture. <laughs> is that how that works? No. The, did you not have that at your school? No. It's all over Reddit now. Like, like people will try to trick you into looking at a picture that shows their hand with the, <laughs> you just make a ring with your thumb and forefinger. And if you get someone to look at it mm-hmm. and it is below like your waist, uh-huh. I think was usually the rule. I see what you're doing and it's not going to work. Well, I don't then, understand. So like, then, if I did this, then you get to punch them in the arm. Okay. So how does I'm that work over you. the internet? <laughs> I just, haha, we tricked you. Do you have you know. to punch yourself? Sure. Do you have to get them to stand up so their monitor's below your waist? <laughs> I feel like there's probably a first-person punch emoji. Oh, yeah. Maybe it would be a second-person punch. Just a fist pointing at you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first person, like, just punching yourself or <laughs> punching... It's just a fist, but from behind? If, it, if it's just a fist, a then, like, fist. there's really no way to tell whose fist it is. It could be yourself. That's true. I mean, you can make it different colors. Oh, yeah. They... I... I need to figure out how to do that so I can give my emoji the appropriate skin tone. Which which one is appropriate? Depends uh, on what I I really you're like the express. ones that are like the black black but still have blonde hair. <laughs> I think those are <laughs> very respectful. Black chef with blonde hair kissing fingers. Right. <laughs> I've made weird choices, but this is good. <laughs> the guy fieri emoji. I like the opening sequence that was had the little twist to it. Yeah, that was, I yeah. That was cute and clever. Yeah. I don't know how f- close I got to finishing this. I took care of the first set of to-do items for discovering what was happening and then uh and then and then a twist in the plot happened. Yeah, that was that was about where I stopped. Mm, I don't think there was a twist in the plot. I think I just quit. Uh, okay. okay. I get, maybe I got beaten up or something. Yeah, I think I got knocked out. Okay, is that, that a twist? That's right about where that happens. Yeah, the 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 okay. twist I'm talking about, you learn about right after waking up from that. Okay, it turns out I was a cat the whole time. Yeah, I guess. So, how did you play much more of it than that rift? No, not really. I I, okay. I found out what happened, and then the the cop friend sent me on my way, and that was where I stopped. Because if the game was, you know, what about fifteen dollars? Which so I I got the impression that there was probably going to be a lot more of it than just that first scenario. Is there? I don't know. I didn't. I I also didn't get any further. So yeah, because I mean, we only, You're basing we only on just decided to yeah, play it like based today, on the price. So yeah, sorry no, again. Fine. Sorry. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, it was an honest mistake. I. Don't like Wikipedia. Yeah, the, the, I was misled by Wikipedia, and it was my own fault for misreading. Something. It isn't true. I do like but, Wikipedia. I give them money every time Jimmy, every time old Jimmy Wales asks me to. Every time he, yeah, he inserts his startling visage into your <laughs> Wikipedia. Yeah, into list of hats. 
sandwiches. Right. List of hats and list of pasta oh, are yeah, yeah. probably my two most. Yeah. You just have the tabs open all the time. Yep. <laughs> That's you might want to mention that in your humor talk is like how much uh, how much we owe to, to websites to, that have yeah. ag- aggregated things like lists of pastas and things. Yeah. Right. How, how <laughs> Wikipedia makes our jobs possible. Because <laughs> if you just had to sit there and think about pastas, you wouldn't come up with nearly enough. Yeah, that's true. You have to go to the supermarket. Right? Just, oh, yeah. Which one of these are shaped like or, snakes? <laughs> or go to the library and ask a librarian for all possible pastas. Mm. She's like, you mean like, you want me to cook, cook and them? serve you all possible pastas? No. I think she'd not... be like, you want me to cook and serve you? Yeah, yeah. No. That was... <laughs> or so so how, did, how did Wikipedia mislead you? Uh, it So Wikipedia, for instance lists west of loathing as being available on the nintendo switch which it is not oh yeah it listed as being available on ios which it is not and it's just it sucks because we can't fix it like we're the ones who know that that's not real and we're not allowed to fix it yeah yeah well yeah and the way you'd fix it is by you'd find a, a citation saying mm. not out on ios <laughs> my dad my- you think you'd have to find a citation that says out on ios and yeah uh, yeah apparently- i bet we you know okay so can we revert edits to our own wikipedia page? i have no idea also does that count as us jim could do it i i i could yeah a listener could do it i got a, a text message from my dad a few a few uh a couple of weeks ago i guess uh wanting to know who I don't know, some internet handle name was. And I was like, I have no idea who that is. What are you talking about? And, and he was mad because it was someone who had decided that the West of Loathing page didn't need to have our list of awards on it <laughs> because he was <laughs> checking that periodically to see if we'd won anything new. No. <laughs> yeah. What he, a sweetheart your dad is. Yeah, he's cool. But yeah, it was it was just funny how mad he was at this random Wikipedia dude, and I had to explain that Wikipedia dudes are territorial in a specific way that only nerds are. Corn versus you should you should direct him to the corn versus maize oh, argument. God, yeah. <laughs> so I just want to point out, like six months ago, I was looking at the Ori and the Blind Forest Wikipedia page. And it listed under platforms Xbox 360. Okay. Because they had announced that they were working on an Xbox 360 port. Um, and there was like, it was at, at the time, I don't know if it was actually six months ago, but it was definitely late enough that they were definitely not making an Xbox 360 port anymore. And so I edited the Wikipedia page to remove that from the platforms list. And it's not there still. Oh. So that's pretty cool. Okay. I was under the impression that essentially every anonymous Wikipedia edit gets automatically reverted by Wikipedia bots at this point. <laughs> yeah, that would have been yeah, my I don't, assumption. I don't know. Too. It has been a really long time since I've seen any of the classic Wikipedia vandalisms that we that we like I looked up Edgar Allan Poe once, and the page was, in its entirety, Edgar Allan Poe is a homosexual. <laughs> the end. Uh, and as soon as I hit refresh, that had been reverted. Right. And then there were the, the subtler one was uh, list of discontinued yep. Doritos yeah. flavors, which had creamy <laughs> cock listed on it, just innocuously in the middle of a list. And those are the good kind of Wikipedia yeah, vandal, the yeah. kinds that can sit for a while, you know? It may be that, like, they only serve you like they will serve a uh serve a user the most recent 
<laughs> right. I, and also, that might have been, I mean, maybe in China, something would be cock flavored. Sure. You know? It may be that they only serve you the page that was most recently edited by a Wikipedia with a username, Wikipedian with a username. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a, a, like, and at that point, like, once the next person with a username edits, edits the page, they'll presumably have looked at your change to at least see that it's not obvious vandalism. The only edits I've ever done on Wikipedia are if there's like just a super clumsy sentence uh-huh. that makes it hard to That sounds know like original research thing. to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no citation for grammar. Anyway, I don't have a, much to say about a case of distrust. I I didn't nah, yeah, I thought it was I, I thought it was well crafted. Yeah, it's Yeah, I I don't I the the style of it is extremely up my wheelhouse. Um <laughs> But, the writing, uh, the writing seemed totally writing. Writing was reasonable. fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't love that kind of story. I, I was never noir big style. into like noir detective fiction. Yeah, yeah. but uh, and it's it got once it got to the point where you had to check everything against everything. I mean, usually they'll kick you out after a while, or maybe they don't. Maybe I just gave up, thinking you know this guy is not. <laughs> this guy is a dick and he doesn't like me. He is not going to let me ask him 40 irrelevant questions sure. in a row without kicking me out of his pool hall. Yeah. So I'm just going to leave because it just something about the way the text displayed. Yeah, that was, was not appealing. Yeah. This sort of squeezing and stretching instead of just displaying it all. And I mean, I know you got to make. You know, we just made a game where we had to make a lot of decisions about how we and were going to present text, all the text. And we just, yeah, just display it. Um, yep. but we have the advantage of like always knowing what size box it's going to be in instead of like letting the sure. situation decide based on aesthetics how big the box should be. Even um, then, it's still a pain in the butt. Yeah, it's, just, it's, and it's, it's, it is hard to display off text putting in a weird, it's off this, the way that they, the way that they do it here is off putting to me in a weird way that I can't exactly articulate, but it made me not want to read the same thing over and over again. Um, I like that there are games of this scale, mm-hmm. a thing that is at its heart, a twine game with an inventory system, but has this extremely stylish presentation. Yep. Yeah. It made me happy that this game was $15. Yeah. Yeah. I think like this person deserves $15 for making this game. This like, it reminded me of the Yogg. Sure. Sure. Remind me in terms of just six. Yeah. I was thinking device six. There you go. It, although device six definitely incorporates its aesthetics the into mechanics, its narrative more yeah, than yeah, yeah. there's like more, more than it doesn't yeah and... which i i didn't think that the puzzles in device six were any great shakes but the the interactions were were novel and novel way. in a way that this is this was very much just a kind of a presentational thing rather than an actual structural thing yeah. um it's real pretty the cutscene bits were really good the the like animation transitions mm-hmm. in the parts that where you didn't really have much choice so they knew that you were going to be sort of locked into a little sequence where they would the the opening bits were pretty good and the, the part where you're at a speakeasy and there's just the just the eyes looking through the slot where you have to give the password like just that kind of stuff was really was really nice too i feel like we played something recently that was also like this that was at its heart just a twine game 
mean, I say just a twine uh, gauze. That's the one with the robots on the train. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What was that called? That wasn't what I was thinking of, but uh, Subsurface Circular. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that is a lot like. And that was also a detective story. Yeah. But it had robots. So I was, it, it held my interest in a way. That's <laughs> this, one, this one talked a lot about alcohol. I do like alcohol. I think I might have gone back to this if we had had more time, but we just, we messed up. Yeah. We, it was fake news. We got, we, fe- we fell afoul of fake news. See, Wikipedia knows that if you say that a game is being launched on Switch, then it generates a lot of engagement. And so that's what you want to show people, whether it's true or not. <laughs> Damn you, Jimmy Wales. You would think that Jimmy Wales, rather than asking everyone for a little bit of money, would yeah. just want like a few people to give him a lot of money. <laughs> um, fuck, did we pick a... Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. All right. So our assignment for next week is Where the Water Tastes Like Wine, because Where the Water Tastes Like Wine came out today, and we and all want to play basically it a twine game and support our friend Yanaman uh, at Dimbold Games. Like and also authors. Yeah. Uh, among them, uh, uh, favorites of the show, Emily Short. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Laura Mache did all the editing. Yep. Uh, yeah. And music. Who else do we know who wrote stuff? Ryan that? Ike. Uh, did Chris Avalon write it? <laughs> Michael. It's the only game that Chris Avalone did not write. What is his last name? The uh, Zachtronics. Oh, I don't writer. know. What is his last name? I don't know. I should look it up and insert it. I'm just, I'm just going to start listing some last names. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, <laughs> just, list every, just list every Gomez, last name Johnson. and edit all the other ones out. Wait, so that is your comprehensive list of alphabetical... Garcia Gomez Johnson. <laughs> Those are the three last names. Those are the only three? Okay. That's, one of them is not like the others uh, in a lot of senses. Gomez? <laughs> yes. It's, no, Garcia and Gomez are not the same length. You got a six, five, seven. Okay. It's like a haiku. I've been reading slowly. I bought this coffee table book uh, about the Adams family, but it is about the original mm-hmm. New Yorker mm-hmm. cartoons so that were where the Adams yeah. family came from. They are really good, and in ways that I was not expecting at all. There was a comic that I kind of it took me a long time to get. It is just the family in line to buy movie tickets. And I looked at it and I looked at it and I looked at it and I said, okay, why, why is this funny? I don't, I don't understand why just the, you know, the seven identifiable characters of the Adams family standing in line at the movies is supposed to be funny. But then if you look closely, you see that Uncle Fester, who is at the box office, is holding up seven fingers on one hand to indicate how many tickets (laughs) he wants to buy. And that is the whole joke. But it was just like, Fuck, yes. Like, it's like every once in a while, they're like, I mean, sometimes they're just like a New Yorker cartoon, right? Yeah. So it's just some droll observation about, oh, isn't it also frustrating to be really rich? Uh, I would like but to every once in a while, it's like a profile. It's like a like, Christ, what an asshole. <laughs> yeah. It is like a puzzle that you get to solve to figure out, like, okay, what did he think was funny about this? Um, Matthew I had Burns. no idea Adam's family was adapted from a, car- from a New Yorker cartoon. Yeah. That's neat. Yep. And he was still alive and pretty involved in the in the TV show, hmm. at least. I don't know. Also, when when I was in Australia, uh, we just I think randomly were stoned one day and turned on the TV, and Adam's Family Values was playing, and 
it was really good mm-hmm. in like in a way that I did not like I remember when that movie came out when I was in high school I thought or when the first Adam Sandler movie came out I thought well that can't possibly be good none of the other things that are in that category of thing which is like a reboot of something from the 50s like a movie version of something in the 50s like the Casper movie was bad yeah there's no way that the Adams Family movie was good, but I think maybe it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because because the Adams Family as a concept entirely revolves around those characters, and the the actors they picked were like the casting was brilliant, and those the actors each nailed their respective roles perfectly. Mm. Pugsley was also originally named Pubert. <laughs> which is a very good name for good. an archetypal like 12 year old boy also in the in the uh in the comics gomez was w- more john astony than raul julia he was kind of he was a little mm, squat <laughs> he, was, he was a little less, dumpy less handsome yeah. yeah 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 he was not he was not like debon he was he was sophisticated mm. but he was not handsome or debonair like he was he was i can't think of the right word for so it so if the monsters were also adapted from a cartoon is there like a new yorker knockoff like oh like the cracked version for, of cracked mad? the cracked new yorkers <laughs> mad there yeah. you go uh man what like i don't know the atlantic what's a I, I don't host. know. I don't know enough about being a New York intellectual yeah, to know either. how to make a derisive joke about some other publication. Yeah, Mother Boys Jones, uh, uh. Um, the Utney Reader. <laughs> do you want to listen? Do you want to listen? Do you want to hear some of the writers for Where the Water Came yeah. Uh So these are some of the names that I recognize: Kara uh, Ellison, mm-hmm. Lee Alexander, mm-hmm. Jolie Menzel, Austin oh. Walker. Matthew Burns, uh, Duncan Fife, Mika Harper, Olivia Wood, Cat Manning, Kevin Snow. It's this is a lot of a lot of people's, a lot of folks. Yeah, basically every every like narrative designer in the indie scene. Oh, those were just the ones you recognize. Those are the ones I recognize. Okay, there's probably another another six or six or ten. I totally get like wanting your you. You've got a bunch of eyes on you as a developer. You're trying to make something that is like that 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 stands up to what um, what people expect from you, and so you just try to involve as many talented people as possible hmm. in order to like share like not even the the actual workload, but just share the psychological load, the onus of being responsible for this product. Yeah, and there certainly aren't any ancient wisdom idioms cautioning against that kind of thing (laughs) i'm curious it's the idea of a thing that is written that is like explicitly written by 28 people or whatever i'm really curious how How it was interesting that laura described her job as editor as being more focused on making them all sound different Mm-hmm. Than it was on making them sound the same. Well, yeah, because they're all different storytellers in, in right. the game. They're, they're different but, characters. Right? But it's weird that they had to write like you would think that each of them being written by a different writer would be sufficient. And I'm I'm kind of curious what Laura meant yeah. by that. There was a. I'll ask. Yeah, there you go. Um, Adam Cadre made a game called Narcolepsy, 
which is kind of a um it was inspired by the big lebowski so it's kind of just a like a surreal romp um but it includes is adam is adam cadre photopia yes. and uh uh that what's his blog that takes random random fo- geotag photos uh, oh. sol- stochastic planet stochastic planet yeah. yep uh and it included like a dozen dream sequences each written by a different like interactive author. fiction author, mm. author yeah yeah so that was a similar thing that seems man i would have a hard time with that i think well i mean KOL had three writers for a long time. Yeah, but we all were the same. Like, it would be like, imagine if everything that we did was like that thing that MC Frontalot wrote for KOL. Like, that's the only time that we ever put in like somebody else's, like somebody else's work, like in whole cloth was like, he was like, Hey, I, I designed this KOL zone. Hang on. I I just want to, I'm, I'm imagining in my mind's eye, one of the items of the month was just a, a boom box. And when you bought it, it played, it, you, you downloaded and played an MP3 <laughs> that MC Frontalot made. He, it was this, the only way to buy his new single no, is he, via he your just, game. He handed me a sheaf of papers oh, that was a design just document. a design doc for a KOL quest that was like, like, no offense, Riff, but it was, more like a KOL zone than anything that you ever pitched. <laughs> like, just in terms of like, this is just everything. Like, this answers all of the questions about literally what everything says and does and is, right? Like, we, like, w- internally, when we're pitching stuff, we don't bother doing that. Right. Right. Cause we, we like, we'll figure it out. But like, this was a, a lot of people submitted fan content suggestions over the years. Like, we got a lot of stuff in the mail, but never like, comprehensive never like just more or less implementable exactly as pitched by somebody who didn't already work here but it's still it there was a bunch of stuff that's like you know he didn't exactly understand how this worked did he like reinvent your scripting language no no it was all it was pretty early it was before we it was before we could really do anything particularly Mm. complicated so it was all just like all of the narrative just played out over you know item drops and and non-combat encounters and stuff the way the way that like KOL worked at the time. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it was. It, it was fit really well with a particular thing that we were doing. Yeah, there was like a content delivery vector that we had that it worked out really well to to insert this thing into. But it was in some ways it was more work than creating something new and I think I would have a hard time with that being Our regular like my go-to. default work modality and yeah. I'm I'm really curious like what it was I'm curious, you know, what, you know, what we should do, we should see if Yanaman wants to come and be on the podcast oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. next week that's when a good idea. we talk about this. Uh, that's a great idea. Um, let's talk. Well, okay. Maybe we should do it the week after. So we're not doing like our responses to the assignment right. with him in the room. Sure. The week after we'll be in Austin. Oh, okay. Well, I won't. He might though. No, I have no idea what his schedule yeah. is like over the next couple of weeks. He expects to be pretty busy for the next couple of weeks for sure. That makes so. sense. But he might be busy being in Austin though. That's true. I don't know what I don't know what the story is with him and South by Southwest. Yeah, if you're going to be at South by Southwest, maybe you'll run into us. We've got no fucking idea <laughs> where we're going to be or what anything is. Well, well, we have a we have a booth at uh Oh yeah. South by Southwest Gaming coming up. Uh for 
like the 15th and 16th and 17th and 17th. Yeah. So yeah, we'll be there. If you want to, if you have a South by Southwest ticket and you want to come say hi to us and play West of Loathing. Yeah. Uh, we'll be at the IGF, uh, awards kiosk at GDC. at GDC and you want to, and you have a, an expo pass or you can borrow an expo pass from somebody like we always did. Yep. Nobody ever pays for GDC badges. Uh, some people definitely do. I'm, I think I don't feel bad at all for the company that runs the GDC game developer conference in San Francisco. I feel like they do just fine. I, I feel like they, mo- they get most of their money from like companies that are paying to send their employee to GDC. Sure. Yep. That's still people buying badges. Though. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I feel like they make like, I think it's fair to say too no much individuals. Of, they make too much of their money from hopeful kids going there to get pitched bad QA jobs. I wonder, like, hopefully those kids are buying like the student expo pass or whatever. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. It's there's a, it's, there's a lot of those kids. There's also a lot of companies that set up booths trying to sell you ad middleware and stuff. Yep. <sighs> ad middleware, man. Middle adware. It's really weird Middle seeing Earth adware. Like the Last year, there was a Frank Cifaldi had set up a booth, which was like, here's a bunch of games that either were released and forgotten about or never released. Like there was an unreleased Virtual Boy game. There was um, hmm. where in North Dakota is Carmen Sandiego, <laughs> which was a game that actually was made and just nobody heard of it because nobody bought it. Well, because it was them. it was made by the North Dakota Tourism Bureau. <laughs> well, it was made for them, okay. you know. Um it was, it's really weird seeing like that's basically a museum that someone set up and then right next to there is like, you know, the, some physics middleware or something like that. You right. know, very strange. Oh, um, I was looking at my phone because I was looking up Ori in the blind forest. And so I decided to look up MDF as well. It stands for macular degeneration foundation. <laughs> oh, huh. I wouldn't have thought so you now could we know. make furniture out of that. <laughs> Well, you, you can't, but your eyesight is so bad that just don't know. <laughs> just doesn't. It just doesn't matter. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it means mm. methylene dioxide fiber. Not on this list. I'm sorry. Only the third word is close. Okay. What is it, Kevin? Do, do you want to? Do you want to? I do want to know. Medium density fiber. Board. Medium density fiber board. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you using some high density fiber board or some medium density fiber? Interested. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were talking about the fur rendering of yeah. uh, Shadow of the Colossus, I wanted to make a joke about how it was so impressive at the time that Sarah McLaughlin wrote. Sarah McLaughlin wrote a song about it called Sweet Fur Render. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. And then I was trying wow. to think about, there was a movie that I saw recently or something that I saw recently. Maybe it was Ozark where there's a character who is sleepless and the way that their sleeplessness manifests is that Sarah McLaughlin keeps appearing on commercials for how you shouldn't eat animals or whatever. She is she Peta. She, she was a spokesperson for, for Peta. Uh, and like talking to the character directly to show that the character was hallucinating. And I was going to ask you guys if you remembered what movie that was. But then I remembered, oh, right. I didn't actually mention Sarah McLaughlin because <laughs> I didn't make that sweet fur render joke because I was just letting Jim talk about the video game. <laughs> so anyway, that was 
That was the assignment. (laughs) (laughs) That was the longest assignment section I think we've ever had where we told people what the next assignment was. Yeah. Gentlemen. Yes. I, it's been a long and strange and confusing experience recording this episode of video games, (laughs) hot dog with you. And, uh, I, uh, I hope we'll do it again real soon. And listeners, I hope you'll join us, uh, especially after this after episode. all this. Yeah. Sorry for uh, sorry for being gone last week. Sorry for being gone the week after next. We might record. Maybe. Boy, GDC is going to be rough too because mm-hmm. uh, the night that we would normally record is the night that we're going to be in our fancy Not winning an award. We're going to be in our fancy duds <laughs> watching Into the Breach win an award. Yep. Uh, you know, maybe Tom will beat us both. Oh, that's true. That would be exciting. I'd be very happy for him. I. You know, I think I've already said this. I've definitely already said this, but I think I've said this on the podcast. Every other game in that category is so good that yep. I would be more than happy to to lose to any of them. Yep. But I'll be very sad if we don't win. You get to sit at a cool give up kids' table either forever. way, so that's what, I do. that's what matters. That's true. That's true. We can always say that we were IGF nominated. I and I. It was so exciting to me to learn that the award that we're nominated for is named after the guy who made DX Ball. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. I, you know, I, like my, my first real computer job, I wasted so much of my boss's time and money playing DX ball. And I'm glad to finally be able to give something back. <laughs> no, that's not, nothing, that's, nothing no. like that is about what's happening here. That's, that's, that's the speech you should give if you win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There we go. Okay, good. Cockaboobalaya. <laughs> Time for emails. Good night. Have a great week, everybody. Do, do you think that Richard Bach on Halloween uh, wrote a book called Jonathan Dead Instant? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> This is the first time I've heard you apologize for one of your horrible puns, Zach. (laughs) This is, this is good. This is a... (laughs) Don't, don't drink too much, man. You're going to (laughs) choke. A pun so bad. (laughs) Even you could, man. (laughs) All right. That's some post-roll. Well, it's got to go in the podcast and then also again in the (laughs) post-roll because it's just so good it has to be included Uh. twice.